the Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. He's back, ladies and gentlemen, with with the new posse, Mortal Technique. The only guy, this is posted on my message board uh, yesterday, this is the only guy that brought a posse to the podcast and they didn't suck. Oh, thank you, man. Because <laughs> usually when you get posses, you get like, a, like you'll have like one cool dude and his friends who are annoying. Right. You know that shit happens. Nah, we're all soldiers here, man. Yeah. All my people's holding down. This is my brother. <laughs> uh, this is my brother Chino XL. Chino, um, my man. And that is my dude Bobby Bowdit. It was Bobby. Just, it was just his birthday, so he's still recovering. But boom, of time. it's hard being on the road with these two guys. I'm sure, <laughs> especially because Bobby rocks a fanny pack, <laughs> like a soldier. That's right, and Bobby. I'm proud. You, you sh- you'd be surprised what fanny, how many wonders the fanny pack does for me. Hey man, it's great at the airport. Clip, drop it in that bag, pick it up at the other side. Boom, done. S- survival pack. Survival pack survival is too pack. pretentious. <laughs> Surviving what? How long are you going to survive? What do you, what do you got? Another surviving 50 years left in you? Come on, man. You ain't surviving shit. No one's surviving shit. It's maybe the get and buy pack. Oh, maybe God. the I exist now pack. Yeah, you know what? It really should be called a groupie pack because you could just flip it around and keep all your personal items and never leave your... Oh, Jesus Christ. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. incriminating yourself. I don't know. You're like, incriminating me or anybody else. No, but just room. him. I don't know what you meant by that, so we're just going to let that slide. All the men in the room said, you're confusing the fuck out of me with that. You got a little cocky on air. That's what nah, happened there, nah. son. You forgot it's, where you were. It's a survival pack. <laughs> it's part of the survival pack. It works. Survival. Dun, dun. That's like a douchey word, though, right? Like survival. Like, you know, like survival. Survivor man is cool, mm-hmm. but like survival training. We're going through survival training. Like, oh, come on, man. What are you doing? Have you find the people? Or... But I mean, look, there are people who really do that type. Like, my friend told me that uh, there was some ex military dude that he like trains executives on like this survival, like, vacation weekend and it's basically like for people that want to feel like they did something important so we take them out to like this like area in the countryside and they run a bunch of obstacles and they get them in shape for like you know a week or two and then bust their ass and then they call it like survival training but that's obviously not like real survival training so i guess you have to jump out of like a parachute out of a fucking plane mm. into like a wilderness area and then meet someone at a certain place like two weeks later like all right Go to, like, LZ1, like, you know, 15 miles away through, like, wolf dens and mountain ranges, forest, and who the fuck else knows? You know, you just can't take the 405 there. You got to walk, motherfucker. That's well, survival training. They could be a real show like that where they took a guy and just dropped him off Hunger Games style in the middle of the woods. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that yet. That would be kind of very interesting. I would but I mean, they sort of, they like in Survivor, they, they do go and they have to like get food and right. they, they do shit like that. But it's very different than like taking one person and like telling them that they have to make it across a forest and get to another side. You know, I, I never really watched that show too often. Uh, were their lives ever really in danger? That's the point. Survivor? That's the point. Ever? It's always endurance, really, more than survival because you know that there's a way out. Let's take somebody who didn't even know this was going to happen at all and drop them there. Oh, yeah. Jesus well, Christ. those people that are on that show, <laughs> you know, like when, when you like you see that everybody gets by OK and everybody's OK and, you, you, you know, they, they're not in danger because it's television. No, they're, they're in danger. If you're in Borneo or one of those places where they film Survivor Man or uh, uh, Survivor, rather, you're in danger. You're fucking for sure in danger. There's a lot of shit out there. Like just because there's a bunch of cameras out there doesn't mean they're going to keep you safe. Like when we did Fear Factor, there was a lot of times we just got lucky. 
Would, oh, like, man. nobody got hurt, but it's just because we got lucky. Like a rattlesnake? Which no, like bulls. <laughs> they made people ride bulls. All right, that's just ridiculous. Dude, they had a 90-pound girl. I say they. I'm distancing myself from the show. <laughs> <Clearly. laughs> Not how I say Like, they. he wasn't in there. Like, I hey, put that little bitch on top of the bull. <laughs> if it was happening today, I swear to God, I would tell them not to do it. I would tell the girl not to do it. 100%. Like, there was a guy um, that was, like, a crazy daredevil dude. I would have said, you know, hey, man, p- people have done it. I know Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone rides bulls. The crazy fuck. But for most people, it's a, a hair-raising proposition. But for this little 98-pound girl, there's no way she's going to be able to hang on. And these guys who were the, the stunt guys were like, don't worry about it. These are stunt bulls. They're, uh, they're, they're less aggressive. They're stunt bulls. A stunt bull. Yeah, but the, uh, I'm like, the bull doesn't know it's a fucking stunt bull. <laughs> <laughs> to the bull, he's a bull. There's no stunt bulls in the bull world. They don't have like, uh, well, you know, I'm just a stunt, you know me. Stunt I'm bull. not going to tell your ass Dude, up, you know I, what I mean? You know, That's my brother over there. Got to worry about <laughs> them other dudes. You know, I'm just going to show you who's boss, and then I won't stomp on your head. No, they'll stomp on your fucking head. They'll kick you in the face. We just got lucky. So like Survivor Man, that guy's, that's real shit. Like there's nothing fake about that show. But they, that's when that dude exists by himself. And, and, you know, he'll get to, like, a certain location. They'll pick him up, like, in five days. Right. He even does them ten days sometimes. Right. But that's the guy that carries his own camera, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. That is 100% legit. He's in mm. danger. He's in danger every show. I think I seen him super dehydrated one time. It was really, really bad. I that motherfucker was. was in was lion territory. The, uh, the, the Survivor, Survivor Man. man. The, the, the Survivor Man or the Survivor the show? Survivor no, no, Man. No, one guy. Well, I was, okay. I was making the comparison between okay. the two of them. Like, that Survivor show, right. they're still in danger. You're still in danger. You're doing a bunch of dangerous shit. You're doing mm-hmm. wild, aggressive shit. But no, no, you know, no more danger than Life anybody would be if you were camping. Right. You know, when you're camping, you're doing dangerous It'd shit. It'd be different if it was like Survivor Basra or like Survivor Mogadishu. No, he yeah. does It'd that be though. Fucking crazy. I mean, he, Survivor Man. Survivor does. Man yeah, probably yeah. does yeah. shit like that. He, that dude went to Africa and he slept a night in Africa in this area where where lions live with a hot air balloon. And his, his idea was, the idea for the show was, if you were in a hot air balloon and it ran out of gas and it fell somewhere, like what, or the, the balloon got punctured or some shit and it fell somewhere, and you were trapped, how would you get by? How would you get out of it? So this guy went to fucking Africa, and that was all he had for shelter, was the basket that this fucking, this supposed hot air balloon had, and then the flamethrower. To, to make the, the, the balloon inflate and go up. You know, they hit that, shh, the fire comes up, and the heat is what makes the balloon rise, and they drop it off when they want it to fall. Well, he uh, had that as well, and he was using that to keep the lions away, right. blowing fire at them, because when he would set it up on the ground, it was like a flamethrower. Because right. when, when it's underneath the, the balloon, it's, you know, it's blowing this fire up into the inflated balloon. But when it's on the ground, he's just shooting it at the lion. And it's just him and one camera. <laughs> it's just him and a camera. Him and a camera and some fucking lions. And you hear in the background, you hear like... <laughs> 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 oh, <Jesus. laughs> Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yo, you yeah. know, but, but, you, but you know how that show's going to end, right? It's just going to end with like a still shot of like, his fucking camera on the ground and people picking out his innards. Well, yeah. I think what they do is they, um, they know where he is by GPS right. location. And I guess he, he probably has a satellite phone. Like if everything went terribly wrong and he had to call, like if he breaks his leg or something like that, he'll just die. I mean, they, he has to get medical help. So they'll, he, they must have some sort of a plan. But he still, his life is in danger every step of the way. Oh, I mean, when you see people that swim with sharks, for example, Ugh. that's the part that I, I say, okay, I, I did that with, like, baby sharks and with, like, sand sharks. They have something at the Mall of America. I went back to, with, like, 
my ex-girlfriend years and years and years ago. It was cool, but when I see people who swim with like 10-foot sharks, 12-foot <laughs> sharks, in like the wild, you know, where the shark doesn't know that you're a filmmaker. It doesn't have any idea that this is for discovery or anything else. It's, it's not, not a stunt it's shark. To, right. Yeah. It's, it's not a stunt shark. <laughs> and they never will. They don't understand anything. All they know is what's in front of them, eat. Eat what's in front of them. Eat what's their, we eat what they're used to right. eating. What but they're yet, used to eating. There are some people that have I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're doing, but they manage to not get killed. I think if you get into the water, a shark doesn't see you as prey as much as it sees you if you're on the top of the water. Mm. I think the top of the water is a big danger because people look like seals. That's right, one probably. one one thing. Mm. When you're down in the water, I think you're you're, you're more of a weird curiosity. You look that. like a swimming monkey in yeah. the water, and the, oh, good, I get a snack. It's it's hard to figure out probably what the fuck you are. You know, I think animals that are that stupid, they just sort of get by doing the same shit over and over and over again. And for sharks, it's like look for seals, boom, look for seals, boom, look for seals. Whoa, what the fuck is this surfboard? Oh, this you tastes know? terrible. <laughs> you know, this I, tastes like Arby's. Get yeah, this fucking oh. guy out of my mouth. <laughs> but if you like look at them, man, you look at their their black dead eyes, and you look at their you know. Their body is just designed to just chew. There's not a lot of thinking going on. We had this conversation earlier about what it means to be a hunter. But wouldn't it be hunting, really, if you were, like, in a rowboat with, like, a harpoon going after one of them and not, like... You know, in like a giant vessel, shooting at them with a high-powered rifle. Well, if you were in a little boat, you're going to die. You're not going to beat a great white shark with a harpoon. All right, we're talking about, you want to get extreme right now. I don't mean, like, a great white. Any kind of shark. A shark that's big. Like a tiger shark. I guess maybe like a six footer if you're really good with a spear. <laughs> you gotta get like four or five of them. But if he flips you in the water, man, most likely you're fucked. I mean, if, I, I it just depends think on what kind of if, boat you're if on. If you're in their element, I think they got yeah. an advantage. I mean. That's a cheating thing anyway. If you're in a boat, you're cheating. If you, you have anything, down. if you have anything. <laughs> It's yeah. actually cheated. They're yeah. looking at you like, drop all those weapons and just go flesh to flesh. Yeah, you got no yeah, chance. Yeah, but we don't have teeth like y'all niggas. But we, but we do have hands. Yeah, that doesn't That help. they're going to eat. The, shark, <laughs> the, the, the shark skin, though, is, is when you feel it, it, when you rub it one way, it's like completely rough and it'll cut your skin. And then when you go from back to front, it's completely, absolutely silky smooth. Yo, when we were little kids, we had like a dissection program. And the last, uh, the last thing that we did was like, third grade or something but they cut open a shark and we had to take its kids out like its children and when you felt the shark they said watch and the the science teacher rubbed his hand nose to the back and his hand was cut open and he said that what the normal normal sharks do is they just swim through a school of fish and since their skin's built like that whatever they touch they cut and then on the second loop around they can smell the blood or they can see one of the fishes that they've cut and go through it but if you touch if you touch a shark normal from like you know, back to front, it's totally silky smooth. Boom. Wow, that's weird. Why would it be silky smooth that way? That seems strange. Like, what benefit I think would that be? They're, it's just like a jagged sort of thing. I, I have no idea. I wonder if they can pull it in and pull it out, you know? Maybe. I, I, it, there must be some mechanism. All I know is that, hey, man, <laughs> I don't want to get rubbed up on by them. Fuck. I don't want to pull, I don't want them to pull anything in or pull anything out on me. I ain't getting in the water with sharks, plain simple. <laughs> I mean, come. If you, well, there's a big issue now in Australia, you know, because they're culling the sharks. They're killing a lot of great whites because they've had so many people die recently. They're just like, enough is enough. Too many people are getting attacked by sharks. They're like, we've got to kill some of these fucking sharks. And a lot of people think it's a bad idea. Those people are assholes. 
Fucking crazy assholes. No, it's not a bad idea. Are the sharks killing people? Yeah. Well, you know, it is their water. Eh, wrong. Our planet. <laughs> Suck it. Joe. If there's a bunch Joe. of sharks Joe. out there that are Joe. killing people, Come it's time on, to start Joe. killing sharks. Wow. Period. Dude. Anybody who wants to argue is a and, fucking and anti-American. If, and what if they... <laughs> I don't care if it's they going on in they Australia. Support, they support terrorism? Is that what goes yes. on, Joe? You support you're terrorism. you kill a shark? You're down with the enemy. That's the ultimate. Not the NSA. Uh, That's not our ultimate enemy. Oh our ultimate God. enemy are fucking sharks. You know, it's funny. With all the shit that they listen to, I'm always surprised that we still have old kidnapping, serial killers. You figured if they were tapping everybody's phone, they could find anybody that they wanted. Yeah, yeah they would look at everybody's phone. I just killed my seventh hooker, LOL. <laughs> you know, like, look at this motherfucker just texted his friend. <laughs> Who knows, dude? Yeah. Someone, yeah. Someone's going to slip up. Oh, well, they most certainly have. I'm, I'm sure they've used it. I mean, if, they, if it's been around as long as they say it's been around, when you hear about the, uh, the actual coding of the NSA software and how they, they first started doing it, there was a guy, the original NSA whistleblower. I should pull this guy up and give him his props because it's a pretty fascinating story because he was, uh, he was a whistleblower a long time ago, and he was the guy that was uh, responsible for making the software. And mm. he, when, he, when he was making the software... He was telling everybody, like, hey, you can't use this to just spy on everybody. So he started doing all these interviews. Um, but it was before Ever Edward Snowden. The, so everybody, everybody thinks of Edward Snowden as the original uh, NSA whistleblower. But there was another guy before that. There was another guy in 2002, I believe, he came out. And, uh, yeah, here it is. Bill Binney. And uh, this fucking guy told people about this a long time ago. There's a story of it on YouTube on uh, the RT America channel. That's Bill Binney, B-I-N-N-E-Y. And uh, he was a U.S. intelligence official. And he worked for the NSA. And he turned into a whistleblower. In uh, October 31st, 2001, after more than 30 years with the agency, he was a high-profile critic of his former employers during the, the George W. Bush administration and was subject to FBI investigations, of course, including a raid on his home, of course, oh. fucking thugs. Where is he, uh, he doing time now? He's not. He's not doing time. That's what's crazy. Where is he? Because he called this before they did it, whereas Edward Snowden called it while it was happening. Right. So Edward Snowden got in trouble. This guy was predicting the future, and he was saying that when he found out that they were able to spy on everyone and that they were using this system... Uh, the, the system that was, uh, it was initially called Trailblazer, and uh, it was uh, a system intended to analyze data carried on communications networks, such as the internet. And Including social out, networks. Yes, and he found out that they, were, they were starting to do it on their, they were starting to do it to everybody. And he called it, he said, that's their plan. Their plan is to monitor every email, every phone call, and he said, the guy, you know, he said, look, this is un-American. And the guy stuck his neck out there. He got away with it, though. It's really interesting because he just predicted it and, you know, he wasn't actually talking about something that had happened, right. but he got out of the NSA and said, this is going on. You know what's we crazy? This. For the first couple of years of me making music, people used to call me a conspiracy theorist. And I always <laughs> used to laugh and I'd be like, all right, well, let's play it down. Let's, let's Encyclopedia Brown this bitch right now and tell me, what is my conspiracy? That the government spies on you? I was right about that. Yeah. You know, I released a record talking about how, you know, we're going to war for false reasons. This is a false premise to be in war. 
Okay, well, we found out there are no weapons of mass destruction. I never said that Bush was directly responsible for 9-11. I said that I never believed the government's version because they couldn't even tell the truth about the air to breathe. I always felt like the story was incomplete. What's, what's the conspiracy theory? That's absolutely fucking true now. We find out that there are, there are layers upon layers upon layers of what's going on in the world. I said that the, the government itself was involved in a drug trade in, in Peruvian cocaine. So people said, oh my God, how can you use this conspiracy theory? Really? And now we find out that they protect certain Mexican cartels as long as they sell out to other homies. The, the absolute truth of the drug game here in America is they don't go after the little fish to get the big fish. You know what I mean? They want the big fish so they can rat out all the little fish and they can all spend time in the jail because only the main dude has the $10 million attorney. So, I mean, I don't blame this guy for just being fed up and saying, hey, man, this is exactly what's going on or what's going to go on in the future. I'm just surprised that somebody hasn't found a way to give him cancer or some shit and kill him off in a way that doesn't raise, raise that much suspicion. Well, like I said, he did it so long ago right. before ever became a public issue that he he quit in 2001 right. and that's when he started talking and doing all these interviews um you know what it is was it pre-9-11 2001 no no post 9-11 is when he quit look the dude is essentially i mean he's a real patriot that's what he is he's a guy who is working in the in the office of uh, he's working for the defense of the country in the right way i mean that's what he's doing he's he he doesn't he wants there to be like Laws. He wants there to be protection of rights as well, though. He wants us to be able to go after terrorists, but he doesn't think the government should be able to just willy-nilly look into everybody's fucking emails. But the government shouldn't, shouldn't become a terrorist in the process of going after terrorists. Exactly. You know, and if you're torturing random people in order to do that, then you are becoming the terrorist themselves. And then there's no distinction, really, because one is a, is a hidden danger that people are terrified of, and the other one is exactly the same thing, a hidden danger that people are terrified from. Someone in power has, says, you know what, I don't like this guy. Mm -hmm. I don't like Rogan. You know, he's talking about the ATF. That's my business. You know what? I want you guys to ruin his fucking life. I want you to go after him. You know, it... it well, it's been proven that they do that with the IRS. Right. They use the IRS to go after political enemies i mean there, there are a lot of fucking heads sure. rolled because of that shit because yeah. it got public yeah we you know, the, people have this there's a lot of no-nonsense people out there that's the real issue there's a lot of people like oh you believe in bigfoot <laughs> you believe in conspiracy theories mm. <laughs> what do you think the government's out to get you there's mm. a lot of these people that like to pretend that it's foolish to think that the government is involved in anything yeah. shady ever and that they're always above ground they have too much power Whenever you get groups of people that have that much power, when you have essentially the power to create laws, the power to, to go in to the, the very laws that were established in the beginning of this nation and change them so that you can get away with shit that would ordinarily be illegal. Right. Like, all, all those things are only done by people who have too much power. They're, not, they're never things that people vote on. Nobody, right. The people never vote to give themselves less rights. Right. The people never vote to give more trust in the government. Well, the government just sort of takes it, slowly but surely. And the best way to take it is to tell you there's a bunch of enemies they have to protect right. you from. It's, it's a timeless, age-old trick. And the idea that that's a conspiracy theory right. is ignoring all of human history from the jump.
Everything <laughs> ever done by people with guns, swords, or arrows. Right. Everything ever done was done with deception. It was done by establishing enemies and protecting you from those enemies. They're, they're timeless techniques. Right. And the idea that the greatest Divide government... And conquer. Yeah, that so. we would stop doing that in 2014... That after all they've learned, after all these years, they go, you know what, all that time-tested shit, we're going to set it aside, and we're going to be ethical. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be the ethical dominators because of the world. Because Obama's in office, now we're going to be ethical. <laughs> but there were people who believed in this fairy tale. And I it, did. It, it, I, I wanted to. I, 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 wanted, I wanted that for, guy to get in and go, gotcha, bitches. Right. You know, I, you I'm know a, I was I, fucking I child that. of a single I, mom. I, I was, yeah, I was I smoked the, weed. I was there, uh, I remember in Harlem when he was elected, and... It was like pandemonium. I shit you not. They, it, it just so happened that they were moving like a subway car. A pretty big deal. People usually don't see them in the street. But they were moving a subway car via like a tractor trailer. And they were moving it through 125th from one side to another. And they had a jumbotron set up by like the state building. And he gave his address. And there were like 100,000 people in the street right there. And they wow. followed the procession of the subway. Every, I saw an old lady get out of her car and start dancing. You know what I mean? Wow. And she was just like, look. And she, she must have been like 80 years old. And I was like, yo, you, you, Ma, you, Grandma, you, you see so happy. She's like, you know, you got to understand, I grew up in a time where people looked at me like I wasn't a fucking human being. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And to see that, I mean, look, I always discuss the, these, these variations of oppression because people try to liken what happens to Africans and Nat to Native Americans to other struggles and other people being oppressed. But you know what? You, you can't, you, no one ever tried to, for example, kill somebody else from another group because they knew how to read. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like these things were specifically done to a people to try and take away from the legitimacy that they have to to dehumanize because that's the only way to really do something that negative to someone. You have to find some sort of different way to define them as a person so that then you can justify it not just to yourself but to other groups of people. You know, normal people won't be like, "Hey man, I'm just going to kill mm -hmm. this person and take their land and their gold and their oil or whatever it is." But now it's like, "Oh my god, no, these people and the way they are, are wicked, and their wickedness is going to spread to the rest of us so much. Well, we have belief systems, man. Right. And belief systems, once they're in place, they can be really scary. You know, if you have a belief system that this group that you're going after are all evil, and God is on your side, and they need to be smitten from the earth. But that's if you the have one. that belief God system. on your side. Yeah, there's that's a lot the of other that. one. God yeah. on your side. Yeah. And that's what I think turns a lot of people off about religion. It's not, there's no personal response. As much as, you know, the, the, the right-wingers that are all religious scream about, oh, we want people in the ghetto to have personal, re why don't you take some personal responsibility? <laughs> you know, don't, don't put it on God. Put it on you. You feel uncomfortable with this being this way. Or you, you don't like these people for some reason. Or maybe you've actually done the history and you know that these people have a legitimate reason to be unhappy with this government or know that they've been treated unfairly in some way, shape, or form. And I think th there's a difference between being ang angry and having holy anger and having a righteous anger. You know, and, and being angry for a reason. Not just being upset and feeling like you're quote-unquote the victim, but technically looking at a situation and saying, you know, I was treated unfairly. And you know what? I was taken advantage of. And I think from the time that people have been a caveman to, you know, tomorrow, all anger comes from being treated unfairly or the perception that you're treated unfairly. Anything. Lied to, 
You treated me unfairly. You told you told someone else the truth, but you told me a lie. You know, you stole from me. You treated me unfairly. I let you into my house. I protected you, and you fucking repaid me by robbing me. All of that comes back to it. And I, I just think that if this government is even going to survive... It really has to address the amount of cynicism that exists in America right now, because that was the whole point, I thought, of Obama coming in. The idea that people were so cynical about a government under Bush that they saw McCain as an extension to that. They were like, oh, my God, again, another one? Well, who are we going to go to war with now? But then when he came in, he was supposed to be, you know, the, the, the great unifier, but he turned into a great pacifier. He was just like, okay, cool. Everything's going to be good. I'm going to oh, I'm going to intellectualize all of this and make it seem rational, you know? So I'll get away with a whole bunch of shit that if Mitt Romney had been elected or if McCain had been elected and done the exact same shit that he did, they would have gone crazy. They were, where are the people that were marching on Washington to, to go against the war? Where are they now? That's why, you know, I, I keep it real, Rogan. I do a lot of activism. We did a show yesterday to raise money for people that were victims of that typhoon in the Philippines, you know, and it's going straight to them because we're working with grassroots organizations. But a lot of times when I see these big activist groups and they come up to me and I'm just like, yo, where the fuck are you now? You know, you were all waving your flag, you know, when it was the Bush era. Mm-hmm. But now that Obama's in power, you don't want to make any waves. You know, now I see you people on MSNBC, you're advocating a war in Syria. You don't even know what the fuck is going on there. You know, you don't know anything about the history of that struggle. You don't know anything about, uh, about the, 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 the idea of what's going to actually happen once they get attacked and they have to call their client. I mean, they're a client state of Russia. They're a vassal of Russia now. They basically sold themselves off because of the chemical weapons thing. They said, all right, we'll give you the chemical weapons. Then you and the UN will deal with that personally. It enables them to say, all right, we're going to be partners forever and ever. As long as Russia exists, Syria will be here. And that's the deal that they had to make. And there are plenty of people who made that deal with America. As long as they exist, man, we'll be good. But as soon as America is in danger, guess what? My ass is in danger too. You know, There are plenty of places like Guam, America holds on to Puerto Rico like it's balls. Israel, I'll tell you right yeah, now. Puerto Rico is one of the weirdest ones, right? Because it's it's a sort of a state, but not really a state. Well, it's look, a commonwealth, right? It, it received it received a, a, a charter of independence from Spain in like 1898, and literally the next year, the USS Maine exploded. But when people did research, you know, decades later, they found out the ship imploded. It exploded from the inside. And ironically, here's another interesting tidbit. All of the white officers were on the land when the ship exploded. And the only people on the ship were like the deckhands and the people of color and the fucking... Are you implying that someone in the government blew up that ship, (laughs) sir? Because that shit's never happened before. Remember the USS Maine. That's what they would say. That's never even been planned. There's a lot of people that feel that the Bush administration had planned uh, a false flag on Iran, but that's false because the Bush administration was awesome, and if they did plan it, it would have happened. <laughs> so you don't know what the fuck you're talking wow. about. They were perfect. They had God on their side. <laughs> God on their side. Yo, I swear to God, there's so many times when I've seen people, like when I go to colleges, and there's some preacher dude, like in front of the college, arguing with the atheists. Mm. And I always ask him, I'm like, yo, dude, do you do you believe in the president? He's like, you know, I absolutely support, you know, President Bush. I was like, what what would he have to do to lose your support? Like, what 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 sort of things would he have to abuse? Could he kill someone and still gain your support? You know, when the guy was like, well, that depends who. And I'm just like, 
Well, wait a minute, dude. What do you mean it depends who? If he ordered the deaths of some people overseas who aren't Christians, he's forgiven. But if he, like, shot someone next door who he went to church with, he should burn in hell forever? I mean, at, at that point, I think the selective morality is what bothers a lot of people about religion in general. It's just like, okay, cool. I'm only going to care about the lives of certain human beings because they share this same belief system of mine. But the moment that you don't, then I feel so threatened by your existence that I don't care if your children live or die. Well, you heard the, the latest revelations about the NSA that they were ordering drone strikes based on metadata. They were ordering Jeez. drone stripes based on GPS location of phones that they were tracking. So that they, they might not have even known that the guy that they were looking for was inside the building. And they right. just randomly targeted buildings where these phones existed. You know, that's, if that's true, that means they just said, okay, well, we're going to have to kill a whole bunch of fucking people to get this phone. Right. So this let's, phone uh, that he may yeah. not even be in. He'll hold my phone today, man. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole thing. Uh, here, I'll pull it up. Because uh, they were, they did a story of it on um, on RT. Yeah, oh, use of NSA metadata to find drone target kills. That's crazy. Kill civilians. They would find these. I mean, this is really hard to believe. But they would find these people by the location of their phone and then send in the missiles. That's it, that's evil shit. Wow. Man. That's really evil shit. And I know there's bad people in the world for sure. But that is not in any way, shape, or form, the way to handle it. There's got to be a better way to kill people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If there's bad people that you have to kill, you can't just kill everybody around them. Right. That you're, shit's crazy. You'll turn everybody against you, A. Well, you're, I'm B, against it's, you. It's, it's, we it's, should all be against you. Right. It's murder. You're a murderer. You're, you're just murdering people in a way that is sanctioned. But... You know what, what strikes me about that is that this government has no problem doing that anyway. They call it collateral damage. They say, okay, you know what, we have a, we have a military target. It happens to be near a school. You know what? It, that's with collateral the, damage. That anybody could even think about doing something like this, though. With the metadata, that's like insane extreme collateral damage. It's, it's, just, it's insane. That's how they feel about it. This is they, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald uh, is the, the guy who, uh, who put this out. I like that guy. I, I like him too. My friend Sam Harris hates his guts, though. Why? <laughs> he thinks Sam Harris is uh, anti-Islam. Uh, he's t Sam Harris is a neuroscientist, is an author, and right. he's he's pretty strong proponent of atheism. Right. And uh, this guy Green Greenwald thinks that he's uh, got an anti-Muslim uh, agenda, right. anti-Islam agenda. You know what's interesting? I had this discussion with somebody about atheism and their way of dealing with. Um, different cultures and societies. You can totally be an atheist and be racist. That, 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 it's like being, mm -hmm. you know, you could be a feminist and you could be racist. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous to sure. think that those two things can't coexist yeah. in the same being. My thing is this. When I hear people like Darwin, uh, uh, or sorry, Richard Dawkins and people who are Darwinists um, have conversations, what's interesting to me is the, the, the level of civilization that they'll attribute to, like, white Christian society. Mm -hmm. and even though they'll say it's barbaric, it's still not as barbaric as those dark brown people's cultures because they're even more dangerous. Yeah, and my, my thing is this, right, my thing is this, it's like if someone says Allah Wakbar before they go into war and that is the, the, the benchmark to say that this is you know, a religious killing, then what about all the soldiers of America who say the Lord's Prayer before they go into combat? 
isn't that interpreted as, oh man, Jesus, help me kill these motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. Really? Then you're making a sacrifice. Then is Christ a blood God to you or is it a God of peace? That's the question that I have to ask. And that is the part where, you know, when I speak to people who are atheists who don't believe in, in theism and stuff like that, you have to separate that from actual historians and people who have studied the history of religion and the history of different cultures and societies to say which one is more so-called civil to one another because I think we've fallen to this idea of the civilized savage you know the idea that certain cultures brought civilization to other people nobody ever brought civilization to anybody civilization is the act of being civil to one another when you take somebody else's shit and then you say oh guess what you're going to use our way of doing things now rather than yours you didn't civilize anybody you just took them over and you enslaved them in a very polite way sometimes and sometimes in a not so very polite way because colonization is too nice of a word for rape genocide and fucking yeah is it ever been nice population has anybody ever taken over a country nice it's always not so nice i mean the 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 horrors that happen in this country alone when it's hard to believe that just a couple hundred years ago all this stuff wasn't here I mean, a couple hundred years ago is nothing. It's a blink of an eye. And well, that's what I, we used to get into arguments. We may have talked about this on the first show when people were like, oh, you know, the aliens had to help those people <laughs> back in the day. And I was like, yo, dude, if they helped them, you know, for the, over the course of 10,000 years build a pyramid, then maybe they helped you because about 200 years ago you were driving a horse and carriage and now you got a rover on Mars. So you got a little boost too from the aliens, buddy. You know what I mean? I, I think that, that it's just ridiculous to assume one culture had communication and one culture couldn't possibly have. If they've been here, then they've been here the whole time. Well, if, if it is possible that we were ever visited by aliens, who knows? Maybe it takes a long fucking time to get here. Maybe they can only come here once or twice in a generation no. ever. <laughs> I don't know. They what set it, up shop here, dude. But if, that's, but if that's the case, wouldn't there be levels of aliens just like there's levels of human civilization? Sure. Like human civilization goes from having a, a horse and buggy to having a car to having an airplane. Wouldn't alien civilization go from there too? Maybe some of them reach us and these are like the real ghetto aliens that are barely getting their shit together out there in the world. <laughs> They're not, they don't have any fucking hey, like free thinking big civilization. alien comes like, what it's are you doing over Very there? sketchy science. They fucking blow up sometimes. Those are the guys who crashed at Roswell. They're like, they're, <laughs> More advanced than us, but they're still kind of fucked up. And then there's dudes that are so far advanced than them that they make them look like cave people. Right. And these people don't no longer have bodies, and they travel interdimensionally, and they you know, they, they oh, exist it, in the. That, that's what I, that's what I think. It's like it could a be too. Yeah. Like there's no saying like what dimension they're in. You know what I mean? Or how our eyes are calibrated. What we are, what we can or can't see. Well, I, I, mean? I used to be real attracted to the idea that aliens came and helped people. I was very, very attracted to the idea. And I'm still attracted to it because I think it'd be insanely fascinating because it really follows what human beings would do if we, f- if we were super advanced and we came to a planet and we found some right. primitive life forms. For sure we would drop off some of our fucking jizz. We would definitely give them some of our DNA. We're gross. We thought we could, you know, touch this world in some way. It's true. That We've dude, decided to do that, that to dude, Mars. He did fuck the Avatar, didn't he? Yes. Well, we're, he we've fucked decided that to, big blue cat. Think about what we're talking about doing to Mars. Is that bestiality? Hold on. That's interspecies yes. let's, let's, sex. Let's, let's, yes. let's ask the people. It's not bestiality because they talk. It's just you're fucking an alien. No, but no, 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 it's, it's, no, 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 it's no, not no, bestiality. No, no, it's interspecies. It's not bestiality, it's is cool it? It's cool to fuck but, aliens, but man. She may be a humanoid, no, no, but she's a fucking beast. Well, we're calling her an animal. We don't know what her phylum She's not an animal. She talks. Right. We established that shit back in Star Trek. When Kirk fucked that green chick. Remember that? Jesus Christ. That was it. That's it's precedent. It's legal precedent. She didn't you have a tail. The girl aliens. didn't have a tail. I don't give a fuck, dude. She had like a She's nose, hot. like a cat, dude. Bitch was hot. 
You would fuck her? I'd fuck that Avatar bitch. Really? By the end of the movie, I respect that. Yeah, by the end of the movie, I wanted to live. I wanted to live with the Navi. I respect I to be that. In the trees, I wanted to be camping and shooting arrows and flying. So that's dinosaurs. not bestiality. So we, we've it's taken a concession yeah. on JRE that fucking a a, a ten foot tall cat well, bitch is not bestiality. Well, what about no. the Planet of the Apes when they cut the scene? There's supposed to be the Marky Mark version joint. It's supposed to be a scene where he was having sex with mm, the ape. No. Yeah. yeah, dude, they filmed it. What? Yeah. And, they, and they were saying, is it beastie? He's like, is, 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 is it wrong to be interspecies? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, <laughs> I think it's okay to fuck hot aliens. I'm going to say it right now. If a hot alien comes to visit me in the middle of the night, if I get away with it, I'm going to fuck her. I respect that. I'm not mad at that. What, what if it's not a her? <laughs> then no, I'm we gonna, know. I'm gonna, <laughs> very uncomfortable. We know it's a her. But what if their he's look like hers and their oh, hers look like he's? Oh, it's a topsy-turvy no, world it's down under. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, oh, what if the intonation, everything was perfect, right? Except that she had a really deep voice. Like, hey, Joe. <laughs> Joe, come here. I fucked a few smokers in my day. Really? You got to accept A it. hot chick with a big Ange voice that's just care. ready to take you She's under the hot. wing? I'll take I'll, t- I'll take care of it. She's hot. I'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally just never talk to her on the phone. My <laughs> thoughts, yeah, my thoughts on aliens visiting with people though. That people don't really understand how long a hundred years is. We think of like 400 years ago as being like, wow, 400 years ago, you know, back then they didn't have cameras. Back then they didn't have automobiles. Everybody rode horses. And then 400 years before that, and 400 years before that, you stop and think about what you're talking about with Egypt. You're talking about a culture that existed for thousands of years. Thousands. Thousands of years. And they obviously were smart as fuck. They wrote down a lot of shit. Just what they left behind. Forget about what was found during the burning of the Library of Alexandria. I mean, when they found that they they destroyed all these like ancient records and all this information about how they did their their construct. I mean, who knows what the fuck was in there when they burnt all that stuff. Right. But what and they it was left behind. Several times. Yeah, but what they yes it was. What they left behind though carved in the stones is magnificent shit. I mean, the, the all their hieroglyphs, the, the the beautiful works of art they left behind, like the symmetry to their buildings and the mathematics of their construction. It's so obvious they were super super advanced people. Like they were really advanced. And we just think of that as being like, well, there's no way aliens must did it. No, it's real possible that a human race, a human culture can get super advanced and fuck it all up. And it could be fucked up by disease and it could be fucked up by asteroids and it could be fucked up by other humans invading them, which would happen to Egypt. They got invaded by the Nubians and the Nubians took older. That's why the, the older pharaoh, the, the more recent pharaohs all had black African faces. Like the pharaoh on the face of the Sphinx is a very distinctly different face right. than some of the more Sephardic uh, pharaohs that you saw like in the early days. Right. And, and the other thing is this, that Egypt initially began... Um, as a society that rose from other places, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There were other civilizations that predated it, such as Sumeria, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. And when you look at it, yes, of course, they could have easily took from those civilizations as well. For sure. We took from other civilizations. For sure. We took from from tribes and from other people. I mean, our constitution itself is based on an Iroquois confederacy, something that people don't really realize or pay attention to, that yes, we didn't just get corn from indigenous people. We got this idea that different places could be under the same federal state, but still, guess what? Have laws of their own that are respected by the federal government or forceful, that, that they're forced to respect mm-hmm. because these are different tribes and these tribes 
are not going to tolerate you telling them how to live. However, we will combine forces for the survivability of all of us together, as opposed to individual tribes. Wasn't that the whole forming of the Constitution as well? I mean, didn't they get the ideas in the Constitution from studying the, the great... Um, the great civilizations of the past, like Rome and Greece, and all their ideals about how society should be put together, and use those ideas in a lot of ways to formulate the Constitution. Well, I mean, Napoleon's civil code also influenced a lot of Western societies, uh, Europe's legal system now. But I, I think, you know, when we talk about whether it's aliens or whether it's anybody that interferes in, in a human society, you want to think that what would their agenda be? What do they want? What could they possibly have to gain for all of it? Resources? Land? I mean, if you read the Bible, it says that, you know, the, 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 the sons of heaven mated with the daughters of men, you know? Mm -hmm. Who's to say that's angels? Maybe that's aliens it's, who it's, came down to fuck a woman. It's absolutely possible that it did happen. I know people don't like to hear that. They're like, oh, great, you believe in aliens. That's not even what I'm saying. I'm saying it's absolutely possible right. because this fucking thing is so big. It's so big, the idea that we've never been visited before is silly. But if we pay attention to the way we treat the things on this planet exactly. that we can control, and we think about how the fuck they would deal with us, we should be probably pretty happy that it is bullshit. Because if they're anything like us, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them creating us out of monkeys. I wouldn't right. put it past some super advanced alien species. Look at some stupid chimps and go look at these dumb motherfuckers. Let's, Let's take some of them. our shit yeah. and put it into them and then come back in a thousand years. Oh my God, they got planes and buildings. and I mean, who, who knows? It is possible that that happened. It sounds quite ridiculous. Don't worry. I, I know that. Right. And I know it sounds... <laughs> yeah. But I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not right. saying it's likely. It's certainly... There's, there is a chance that this planet has been visited before. Just the fact that we can go to Mars with a drone. We know that we sent these manned uh, vehicles into space. We know that there's satellites in orbit. We've used the space shuttle. We've used rockets. They have, there's, without a doubt, a, a rover that's moving around on the Mars right now. If, if there's a rover moving around on Mars. We sent it from this planet. We're monkeys. I mean, we're, just, we're a couple hundred years removed from slavery in this country. We just came up with the internet 20 years ago. We already have a robot moving around on Mars. If there's something else out there that's a hundred years, a thousand years more advanced than us, if they haven't blown themselves up, for sure they would send some shit our right. way. And if they came here a long, long ass time ago, the universe is 13 point whatever billion years old, right. allegedly. Earth is only 4.6 billion years old. I mean, that's... There's, a hell of a long that's time. That's a long time. Big that, window. That leaves nine fucking billion plus years that someone else could have been in a much more stable right. solar system, developed a civilization that's not based on dominator culture. Empires and rose out and fall during that time. They might have had a completely psychedelic culture. Like, from the jump, they were eating mushrooms. <laughs> never got out of it. They might live in the tropical climate. Like, the whole planet might be a stable, right. tropical climate where they're consistently engaging in mushroom use. And they, they <laughs> developed the ability to read each other's minds at, like, a, a, a fucking thousand years into their civilization. Oh, and they've just been rocking it freestyle since then. And here they are, 10 billion years older than, you know, this planet. But if we are, like, a downgraded version of humans, then human humans, like, 4.0 must be really frightening creatures. Oh, Something yeah. that can, like, look into your mind and see you control things with their head. And the people who don't 
necessarily believe this, but who won't even subscribe to the possibility. These are the same people that think that laws hold our country together yes. rather than the iron fist of a talking monkey. Well, there, there's That's a, what holds this shit together. I Homie, I will destroy you if you break these things that I've written yeah, down. Yeah, how about the NSA whistleblower? You. The fucking FBI breaks into his house. Get on the floor, <laughs> traitor. <laughs> I heard a word to that when you talk. Um, there's a woman named Dr. Carolyn Mace, and she has her talking about the evolution of the species. And uh, she says that there, uh, her theory is that we're uh, all homo erectus because we walk upright. But there's also different people on this planet that are called homo noeticus, meaning that they have more than just the five senses that people have. So mm. we're not all the same species. Some people mm. are more devolved or evolved than others. So no, we're... you can't say that though, man. People accuse you of racism. <laughs> what? No, no, no. You no, can't no. say that. You can't say that pe there's some people who are just dumber. No, no. It's different species uh, of people. people me, way, me, yeah, yeah. Meaning that you could, you know, how sometimes you could just think of a friend and they'll call you. Well, how it's about like this? A, it's just no, it, there's it, no term to. It's not, it's not so much dependent on the ideas of compartmentalizing people in the way we do in terms of race or in terms of religion. It wouldn't be like to say that one person of this color or this yeah, it's not you a know, color creed thing. would have been smarter. It would have been a specific individual that's born within that line either it could be here in america it could be in mexico it could be in nigeria or scandinavia somewhere but for example there are types of intelligences that we really do appreciate in this country we look at science and math and we say oh man you're really smart you know you're going to be a fucking engineer but people don't appreciate social intelligence emotional intelligence you know imagine somebody that's able to come into a room and they look at you and they like you know what joe joe walks different today that means he's sad you know what i mean or you know what he he's worried about something or you know when he's when he checks his phone a lot, he, he only he only interrupts the podcast to speak to his chi child or something. So something must be wrong at home. People who pick up on those things, right. it's 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 incredibly. It's not like female intuition that sex is bullshit. It's the idea that people in general, male, female, whatever, some of them are just more in touch with the idea of giving a fuck about how the people around them exist, and therefore they're just a more I wouldn't say a more considerate human being, but they have more emotional intelligence. They pay more attention to, to developing that in themselves. Musical intelligence, for example. People could say, all right, I hear a note. That's a G sharp. Now I'm going to create a whole song around it, and it's already finished in my head. That's musical genius. Physical intelligence, people who say, you know, you... you MMA shit, goddammit, that's physical intelligence. Anyone who's got to fight in the ring and, and calibrate an exact punch or know how to move somebody or to, to, to step them in this direction or other, that's an incredible physical genius that they have to possess in order to carry on something like that and not get knocked the fuck out by someone swinging on you as hard as they possibly can. But only certain intelligences are valued in this country and in the world in terms of human society as opposed to delving into what they would really be if we took them each at not just face value, but what they represent for our human culture. You know, some, I know that's why some people fuck with animals more than they fuck with people. I know people that they're like, oh, I love my dog. Why can't you love a dog more than a person? Sometimes a dog is more human being than a human. You know, you got a homeless person in the street who's crying. Most people will walk right by him. You put your dog next to a homeless person who's fucking in tears. Somehow, I've seen it. A dog that doesn't like nobody will go over there like, hey, man, like, kind of look at you like sad like why are you sad why are you hurt who the fuck would do that as a normal person we're trained to ignore that whereas something like a dog is trained to say hey man 
No, someone, someone's in pain. That's not right. As if to say, I wish I could help you if I wasn't trapped in this fucking body. You know what happens when people start really paying attention to a lot of homeless people and hanging out with them? Oh, you realize they're fucking crazy. <laughs> and if you bring those motherfuckers into your life, your life's going to be chaos. If you take that crazy crying lady underneath the bridge and say, come on, come on over my house. Doug Stanhope used to do that. You know what happened? Doug Stanhope? Yeah, these bitches, they got in a knife fight in his fucking driveway. Ugh. Uh, this woman stabbed her boyfriend. Yeah, Doug used to let him. He had a front lawn. He lived in. Uh, Nobody's Venice. saying you got to breastfeed him. I'm just saying that you. I just, know what you're <laughs> saying. I know what you're saying. It's it's a very romanticized ideal. Though. The reality <laughs> is, if you want to go out there and fucking bring homeless people in your life every day, you only got 24 hours in a fucking day. No, homeless I don't mean will every fill your single, life up with bullshit. <laughs> They're easy. They'll be enough. screaming and crying. They got no soap. <laughs> Look, get your own fucking shit together, or you're crazy. It's one of those two. And if you if you're crazy, that's the real issue. That when the Reagan administration was here. Here, they they changed the laws. They changed the the standards as far as like taking people that you had to take care of, right. and they let a lot of people out of mental hospitals that were they were infirmed for life, and they got them out. And then these people were just like free. You're free. You're on your own. You can take but, care of yourself. But then again, when we think about it, then let's take that. Then and then let's not make it romanticized and I, I, idealized. If these people are sick. If they have a disease, then shouldn't they be taken care of? Shouldn't they be no, in a hospital? No, right? no question. No they, question. Like if someone had so, fucking pneumonia and they were lying on a fucking highway, some uh, uh, you call the ambulance, they would come get them. Somebody sitting there, they're schizophrenic. You know what I mean? Or they have multiple personality disorder. They're more liable to 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 hurt themselves and their danger to themselves and to other people. Those people need to be taken care of. For example, I look at that the way I look at drug addiction. Those people don't belong in prison for forty or fifty years. They obviously need treatment. Yeah. They need to be fixed. But we only give a fuck when it's a Philip Seymour Hoffman that that dies. And then when a, where are the rest of the heroin addicts? You know, I, I went off on Twitter the other day because I was like, yo, dude, you know, the NYPD is investigating who sold them the hot dose. Really? You know, I know lots of people I've known through my life that either almost died or died of a damn heroin overdose or some kind of drug overdose. The NYPD didn't go meticulously looking for the specific dealer. You want to know where the heroin's coming from, homie? I told them. You can go, first stop you need to do is Afghanistan. That's where it's coming from. And the poppy fields are being protected by our troops because the warlords that we want to stay in power that are willing to give us access are the ones that need the money. So we allowed them to grow the poppy, and we disallowed the Taliban supporters too. But listen, don't bring any homeless people in your house. Trust me. <laughs> I know what you're saying. It all makes sense. But you got to trust That's me on that this, background man. in comedy. You, you don't want oh, them Jesus. coming into your house. They don't even know what toilet paper is, dude. Oh, it's a, the whole thing will be a mess. No, you can't on, fix man. everybody, come man. On, Joe. You can't fix everybody. Not this close to Valentine's Day. You got to know don't who to fix that. and who not to. You can't be Captain save a Ho. You can't. You can't be that guy out there trying to fix the world. Be nice to I'm everybody. That guy out there, the problem is the the really fucking crazy people. You're not gonna fix. You could you could work all day, every day for the rest of your life, and you wouldn't put a dent in that shit. And I think that they have to. F someone. But do you it's think a hallmark of our society? It's quick a, question: Do what? you think those people started that way, or do you think it was the things that happened to them within the course of their life more often that makes them? That you way? would be crazy to assume right. either or. You're you know no one has any idea what the background of a lot of those people are, other than the people that have treated them in the past. They probably don't even know what the fuck happened to them. There's a lot of really sick people out there N that not, just happen to be homeless people because we can't right. we, we we can't classify them as insane enough to you know institutionalize. Not not then to be crazy enough to try to define it, but wouldn't you think that the majority of these cases are people who had extreme trauma of some sort as a child? 
I would imagine. Yeah, right. I would imagine. Well, you know, Abu- people, people that I've met abused. that have been homeless. I've met. Right. I've, I knew quite a few people that were homeless at, at, at these stages of their life. Right. From uh, the time when I used to hang out in pool halls. Um, one of my best friends was homeless for a long period of time. When I was a struggling comedian, my friend Johnny was a pool hustler, mm-hmm. a legit 100% pool hustler and mm-hmm. a, a drug addict. But the pool hustler thing is how he got by. He was an extraordinary pool player, and he would pretend to suck. And he would, <laughs> he would go to places, and he was a fast talker, and he was a slick dude. And he got a big thrill out of tricking guys into playing him. And then you know he would like lose a little, and then complain, and then they would start talking shit and calling him fat and all this different stuff. And then he would slowly start playing better, and then like, make it real emotional with the guy. And like, he would get thousands of dollars out of people, and a lot of it was psychological. He just knew how to play people. He had emotional social intelligence. Emotional intelligence. Yeah, social intelligence social and emotional intelligence. intelligence. He had both. But he was homeless a good portion of the time. Like, sometimes he would come stay at my house. This motherfucker hadn't slept in days except under pool tables. And he would just conk out like he got shot with a tranquilizer dart and just sleep for, like, he slept in my house for two solid days straight once. Because he was just burning it. Best sleep of his life. Probably, yeah, man. The dude, the poor dude was just out there. And, you know, he had issues himself. He had uh, a lot of uh, mental health issues himself. And I think that there's uh, a lot of people out there that are homeless that have uh, mental health issues. I think that's the majority of of a lot of the cases. I think a, a lot of the homeless people that have mental health issues. And what's sad is that, you know, especially when you find people who are supposed to be cared for by this government. And it goes back to what we were talking about before. Imagine the veterans that are homeless out there mm-hmm. who have paid dues and risked their lives for this country, mm-hmm. and they're completely looked over. And you would think the people who say that they love America so much wouldn't be the ones that are bleeding it dry. But ironically, it's the people that are criticizing this country for the things it does wrong that love it the most. Why? Because we want to fix the things that are wrong. As opposed to people that say, hey, we just love America and anything you say against America is wrong. No, that's not the case. Because the people who usually say that are the ones that are bleeding this country dry by saying, oh man, I love America. You know, I want to destroy unions. Unions are destroying America. You know what? I want to stop workers from doing this. Dude, you're not doing it because you love America. You love money. You know, if you really loved America, how come you've got a goddamn plant overseas? You know, mm-hmm. you could be not making, you know, 10 billion. You could be making 7 billion a year, but you would be feeding <laughs> 10 times more people, you know, here in America. They would never do that. Of course 3 not, billion is a big number. I don't know what kind of country you live but, in, but sir. That, but that's what you I'm talking about. Taxes, that. my 3 billion pays for, <laughs> social programs, cleaning the streets. Who do you right, want to build right, these bridges, right, son? Right, right, right. That extra 3 billion is important. Right. Only that they're not going to pay it in taxes either. So it's not like it's oh, going to go right. to anything. Oh, that's right. They weasel that shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on, the NFL is like Tax a charity. Is not that hilarious? That's crazy. Come on. That's Come one of the on, funniest dude. things of all time. That's the crazy. NFL is tax free. Is it team by team though? Do they tax no, the dude, teams? No, the, dude. The whole thing is a charity organization. Oh please. <laughs> yeah, I, wow. thought it, I thought the it was team by NFL, team. Fucking NFL, wow. the biggest fuck sports franchise in the wow. world. The UFC needs to get on that. I don't know what the fuck Dana White's waiting for. We need to be tax free. We need charity. to be charity. The UFC <laughs> charity. should be tax free. How the fuck are you going to give the charity? It yeah. should be a charity. That's what I'm saying. Loophole. <laughs> That's fucking crazy shit. That's you imagine if the UFC tried to become tax free? You know who else is like that? Oh my god, the NHL. They're tax free too. Yep. Get the fuck out the of NHL. Here. That is hilarious. Wow, I didn't know NBA. That, that is no. What no, about no, no. The I NBA? think they, they got to pay. No. Too many black people. They got to pay. Like, uh, they they're not happy pay. about this. Ninety-nine percent black people. God damn it! Make them pay taxes. That means baseball. They got to pay too. Too many Latinos. Too in many baseball. Latinos. Oh, yeah, These motherfuckers <laughs> coming over here throwing heat. 
Give, give me that money, bitch. Give me, give me that fucking money. Oh, yeah, ta- taxes, man. The th- the people wow. that don't have to pay taxes is a real goddamn mind blower. It's like, wh- how does that get determined? And like religions that make money, like oh, religions, yeah. like say Scientology. Scientology is a tax free organization, tax free organization that was written by a science fiction writer <laughs> who uh, was L. Ron pub- Hubbard. Yeah, who publicly stated that the best way to make a lot of money is to start your own, own religion. religion. Yeah, and that and he got tax free. That guy got taxed for it. You know what's funny? When I got out of prison, I went to try to find a job in all these places, and everyone said no to me. And there was this one ad that was like, come learn the secret to life and get paid while doing it. And it was like a $12 an hour job in like 1999 when I just made parole. And they were advertising like, please come to this area. You know, you can learn. And and I walked in, and it was a Scientology center. Of course. Wow. And I, I walked in. The lady was super nice. They're all the most polite Did people in the world. No, no, no. no. I, like, <laughs> they I just wanted to fuck a Scientology. They, br- they, just, they literally just brought me in. They, they shoved me in front of a screen with like four or five other people. And they played me like a Scientology video. And then they, were, they, they asked us. They were like, did you all understand the truth in this video? And I was, I was sitting here, and I was just like, yo, I really wanted to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, no one believes this shit. But at the same time, I sat back and I said, you know what? I really don't understand this religion enough for me to make a commitment about it right now. And they were very polite to me. They were like, thank you very much for your time, sir. Take care. And there was somebody else in there who really needed that fucking job. And they just looked at me, and they, were, they gave me this kind of look like, Cool, cool. You're not in the running anymore. They were like, I was touched. <laughs> I just swear to God, yo, I could see the charlatan and the snake oil coming out of the side of their jacket, dude. They were like, I was touched by this video. Like, I really thought it was amazing. The dude there, they had to get a job, yo. Yeah. That was it. Joe, you might, I be, at it. you might be right about this racist shit, by the way, because the only other ones that don't have to pay taxes, the, the, the golf league, the PGA, and the, the NHL. The, go- wow. the golf league oh, doesn't have wow. Who are all the owners? All the owners in the NFL, though. That is fucking creepy. The NBA should be pissed. Yeah. The golf guys don't have to yeah, pay taxes? Yeah, that's like the most money, right? Wow, that's dark. That's some that's dark, not dark at all. shit. <laughs> dark wow. racism. Wow, I think it's racism. Yeah. I'm crying racism for the NBA, and I don't even watch basketball. <laughs> Yeah, the the, uh, the idea that you could get away with the Scientology thing, that that could be... We need to start our own fucking religion. That's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. God damn it. That's how you really... God damn it. That's how you really lock things down. That's the quote right there. We uh, need to start our own religion. God damn it. Well, they they have so much money that they, they can get away with it. Like, Scientology is the number two landowner in Los Angeles. They own more buildings and property and real estate in Los Angeles than, like, almost anybody. The, freak, the freakiest thing is, <clears throat> you know how they rope off everything at a Times Square when a, when the ball is going to drop or whatever? Yeah. And there's a certain time you can't go past the barricades? One night I was there, and a guy said, well, are you a member of the Church of Scientology? And I said, yeah. And he let me in through the, bar- through the barricade. Real story, dude. Real story. He probably just wanted to fuck you. 
What? Oh, <laughs> what? That was when you got close to you. What? Oh, no, you're like, man. He knows. What? You're a handsome guy. Joe, you got a Joe, nice build. Joe. Oh, Joe. Oh, come on, Joe. The, the interspecies Joe. conversation is fine. Listen, man, I know how to take a podcast. The, 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 uh, shake, uh, lose the its entertainment value. It came right out of Joe. You got to wow. fucking press a button. Wow. You got to wow. keep the ball moving. Wow. What is the wow? What are you supposed to say? Amazing. He probably loved you. <laughs> Dude's a Scientologist trying to make friends. He was, it, was so a, bad. it was a police officer, too. That's hilarious. Well, they might, might have had some sort of a deal. Maybe they pay off the cops, get, get through the lawn. I think that's the, only way brochures. Really, that's the only way you really do get anything done. I think a lot, for a lot of companies and corporations, they just pay off whoever it is that's in charge. Well, the only I mean, reason why people aren't investigating Scientology in this country, but yet they are in other countries, it's got to be just how much money they have. It's the only thing that makes sense. Because if there's a new group that came out of nowhere and they, they hadn't you know, had all this history of owning all these buildings and, mm-hmm. and you, fa- you found out like, that they developed this religion based on the scientific or uh, science fiction author's writings and you would read it and go, wait a minute, what the fuck? Is- what are these e-meters? You hold on to these, these aluminum cans and they, they tell me your personality? Get the fuck out of here. That's not real. They would be shut down. You would think that they would be run out of town. Well, I mean, someone else could tell you, hey, this cracker is really the flesh of... You know, a Hebrew zombie. Mm. You know, I mean, someone could put it in that way and you would feel ridiculous. As long as it's old, we're cool with it. No, but that's what I mean. As long as it's through a certain period of time. Look, I I have a great respect for people who I've seen use religion to make them a better person. But when I see someone become more pretentious, more judgmental, more like I have all the answers and unless you believe in exactly what I believe, then you're going to go to damnation. That's when I see religion as like a, a... destructive thing that ends up ruining people's lives but when i see people that honestly just take it and i think that's the thing with a lot with a lot of religions as long as the canon can be as ridiculous as it's going to be you know people will believe preposterous things all of them ask you to believe something preposterous you know the the ocean is divided you know uh, muhammad ascended into heaven you know what i mean or or you know jesus christ was born of a virgin and then died and came back to life and yet when you look at people's lives you know, some people's lives are preposterous. You know, there was a there was a family my friend was staying in doing a photo project down in Brazil, and he was down there and he was like, you know, there's a hole. There are two holes in the floor. One hole is in the bathroom where everyone goes to the bathroom, and the other hole is like literally right next door. And they put like a like a bucket down there to catch shrimp. And I'm like, wait a minute. So where is it? Like in a different river or something? Like, nah, it's the same water. And I'm like. Really? Like, yeah, definitely. It's the same exact water. And he's like, you have to understand, that's the only way they're going to eat anything that day, is to fish for shrimp in that shit water. And that's preposterous to me. For you and I to look at that and be like, oh man, you know, who in in this room would imagine, you know, I'm going to put my hand in the toilet to pick out my dinner tomorrow. But that is the absolute reality that people who are living in those type of dire conditions, because if they don't eat that, they're not going to fucking eat. That's why I'm honestly not offended if somebody, you know, steals something when I'm in some third world country. I mean, not that I like that shit, but yo, you're taking something because you're going to die if you don't sell it to eat. And motherfuckers are just stealing, you know, Reebok pumps because they want to look fucking cool. Like, you're yeah. a sucker, my nigga. The only person I know that's ever actually started a religion is Alex Gray. Alex Gray is the visionary artist. I don't know if you've ever seen his work, but everything he does is these psychedelic portraits. They're, they're like uh, these really intense, like, uh, 
multicolored. They look like dimethyltryptamine trips. It's all like uh, like ayahuasca trips or mushroom trips, and all of his art. This, this is, is his people stuff. People coming out of people. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is all of his stuff. Well, he's he's created his. Not only has he created his own religion, but he got tax free status. And uh, his city is trying to uh, to fight it. They they still want him to pay taxes. I think I don't know if he ever worked that out, but he's actually trying to do it in a in a really like positive, healthy way. He's not trying to make money off people or own people or give you a bunch of rules that you have to follow. He's just essentially he's a, a guy who really believes that psychedelics are a connection to uh, the true God of the universe, love and God and and. You know the the energy that exists when you have these uh, these powerful transformative yeah, psychedelic experiences. So he um, he's building this thing in upstate New York. Uh, he came on and uh, showed me and Brian his uh, his uh, community he's putting together up there. But he's got this uh, huge building that he's making that he came on our podcast and did a Kickstarter for it and raised the money like in no time. It was amazing. The people from this podcast fucking represented like in as positive a strong way as was humanly possible. And a whole bunch of people supported this. And uh, he, he got all his funding. And he's building this incredible building. Look at this thing. Look it up. Tech. It's on the other one behind in front of you too. That this is, is going to be this is going to be his church. Yeah. Holy it's all based shit. on his artwork. And uh, it's like probably going to be one of the most beautiful buildings in the world. And where is he going to build this thing? In upstate New York. He has like, uh, he has what? a, yeah, he has like a, a temple in that upstate New York. That belongs in like a jungle in Colombia or some shit. <laughs> but you know I'm what telling I'm telling you, man, On top of a mountain or something. I met, I've met the dude several times and he is the real deal. He really is a beautiful person. He's all full of love. The guy's like so loving and happy and friendly. He's not evil in any way, shape or form. And he just wants to promote those, those ideas and promote art and, and, and promote love. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better guy trying to create his own religion. But what he's trying to do is you just influence people in a very positive but way. But you know what, Joe? It's usually never the guy who creates it. All right. It's, it's always the, the inheritor. It's <laughs> always, right. it's, it's always the inheritor. That's so the, true. Whoever the fuck takes this shit over is going to be like, listen, you know, in order for you to really get the psychedelic experience, you, you gotta let suck me. suck my dick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Some crazy shit, you know what I mean? You happy me, meals. You, you need, happy meals you need to let me father children with everyone's wife here. It just uh, d They all do that, right, eventually. Because it's too hard. Too hot girls walking around, they love you so much because you're the Messiah. Oh, Damn, I want to hit that. God. This fucking husband of hers is just fucking up my flow. <laughs> God. Yeah, well, that's just human nature, man. I mean, that's obviously the issue with priests telling them they can't have sex. You know, you create monsters. You create monsters when you suppress. There's no way around it. If you if you suppress, you know, energy finds a way I, through in another way. I really wouldn't do some in-depth research on when that started happening because in the early Orthodox um, church, people who were um, officials of the church were allowed to have wives. They were allowed to have a dispensation. They were allowed to get married. They got married by the Pope. I mean, the Pope had children. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at some point, people looked at it probably in the Middle Ages where people got real pious and, you know... When you examine the, 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 the changing of Christianity, you find specific points where it becomes, you know, from that time where people are, are completely nonviolent to becoming structured to be a violent society. 
You know, people say, oh, well, who, who, whose writings are those? I always said it was St. Augustine. And then it makes sense because he dies in the siege of Hippo Regis during that particular time. You know, the Eastern Roman Empire was trying to eradicate something called Arianism, which is the idea that the, the father is superior to the son. In other words, the father created the son and therefore the son was inferior to the father as he was a creation. The, the people of the church hated this idea. And so they overthrew all of the Germanic kingdoms that inherited the Western Roman Empire in order to 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 impose their idea of what Christianity would be, which, if you think about it, would make that the first crusade ever in terms of Christianity. Celibacy, this, this is where uh, it starts out. Celibacy, the first mandate requiring priests to be celibate came in 304 A.D. Jesus. So the year 304, Canon 33 of the Council of Elvira, that is some Harry Potter shit, stated that all bishops presbyters and deacons and all other clerics were to abstain completely from their wives and not to have children. Wow. A short time later, in 326, the Council of Nicaea, Nicaea yeah. convened by Constantine, rejected a ban of priests marrying requested by Spanish clerics. Wow. This is fantastic. So they just decided they were slinging too much dick. That's the only way around it. That's exactly what was going on. There's no, oh. They had too much power. There was no rock stars back then. You had poets. And by the way, when you're dealing with 3,000 and, you know, I mean, uh, th 304, rather, there was, no one was reading the Bible. They didn't figure out how to read the Bible until, till, uh, till Martin Luther came along and translated it into a, a phonetic language. That well, was when most people could read it. I'm trying to think, it. when did they... Before Germ it was Latin. The first time it was tr translated into Germ Germanic was, I believe, in the 4th century by a priest called Wolfilla. And when I, I look at the actual extension of where it is, a lot of people were really illiterate in the first place, and the way that they learned to read um, in Greece and in Rome was actually by reading the Bible and reading the actual scripture and saying, oh, it would be the way someone would read a, a kid's book these days. Only you're not reading a kid's book, you're reading what you're going to be indoctrinated into for the rest of your entire life. In other words, that's the first book and the last book you're going to read, probably, if you're sitting in there and you're a peasant in the middle of nowhere in the Middle Ages. It says that Germanic language translations of the Bible have existed since the Middle Ages, and uh, the most influential is Luther's translation. And that the Martin Luther translations, I believe that was in the 1500s or something like that. There's uh, a great hardcore history podcast on that called uh, something Thor, Thor, Thor's... Find, find the name of that. I forget what it is. But it's all about Martin Luther translating the Bible into uh, a phonetic language. Yeah, they couldn't read it. So back then, when a, a priest was the only direct connection to God, he was the only guy that was able to right. tell you the word of God. He was the only... Here it is. Thor's, Thor's angels. angels. Here it is. This is uh, the Gothic Bible or the Wafilla Bible. Christian Bible as translated by the Wafilla in the 4th century into the Gothic language spoken by the Eastern Germanic peoples or the Gothic tribes, meaning the inheritors of the Roman state. As Rome fell in uh, 410 and then, of course, I think in 455, and then finally, um, what was the last? 
476. And back then, the Germans were a totally different, like, the, the, the whole country of Germany. There was so many barbarians. There was big, fucking, powerful, scary well, I mean, dudes. But this, who, is, this, is, this is the interesting point. What makes them a barbarian, that they weren't with Rome? If anything, wasn't Rome the most barbaric out of all of them? Well, I mean, when I say barbarian, I mean, like, Conan the barbarian. I mean, these big, Gigantic. giant motherfuckers who ate meat and drank milk. That was, like, primary staples of their diet. They and had a massive amount of protein. But the, the protein content of their diet is why they were so big. They were enormous people. I don't think they did a whole lot of farming because it's cold as shit up there. So they're, they're, they're eating, you know, a lot of animal protein. And they were, apparently they were enormous in comparison to uh, a lot of the people that would encounter them. Like that was like the first depictions from China, I believe, of encountering German people. They were like, holy shit, are these fucking people big? You know, they were just uh, enormous savage people. You know? Well, I mean, the, I don't know. I'm sure that there were some sort of human sacrifice here and there. Oh, I'm fuck the, yeah. The, the thing is that... Everybody did that. <laughs> when you, that shit was standard. When you, when you look at their tr their tribal societies, though, I really would like to, to sit down and examine what the 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 process was for them in in their societies as opposed to when they were Romanized. You know, because that... That people living in in like some mud hut in the middle of Germany, I'm sure they they had some different idea uh, of controlling themselves and 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 to reining in, similar to the way Native American people don't didn't ever had a prison, you know what I mean? Where the fuck did you put the people that did bad things? Well, you just had to fix them or put them on sticks. Somebody Tie had to be up, fixed. Cut, cut their eyelids off. Someone had to be fixed. Yeah, or kill them. I think they probably killed a lot of people too. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it depends on what, what society you want to imagine. I mean, I remember I watched the movie 300, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, man, they seem, they make these Persians seem like the wickedest people. But when you look at it, what were the Greeks doing? They were practicing infanticide. It was still a monarchy. Sparta still had slaves, like a motherfucker. Well, so I give like the movie 300 a lot of creative freedom because it was based on a graphic novel, and it's obviously got a lot of they're mythical doing an, qualities. They're doing another one. I, I know. I, I don't have. I, I'll go see that movie. I loved it. But to me, it's a comic book. Right. Um, the real problem with making a movie about Spartans is you're going to have to have a bunch of dudes fucking each other. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to do it right, you want to do it right. You got to do a historically accurate. Which movie is why on when Spartans. when he was like, "Oh, dude, those Athenian boy lovers," and I was like, "Wait a minute, yeah, hold on, dude. Exactly. You're from Sparta, dude. Yeah. You're in the gymnasium, which means yeah. like naked in Greek or something." So of course there was a lot of man fucking going on, but it was normal. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that they should do it because it would, you know, somehow or another discredit them. But it is historical fact. That the people that lived back then engaged in much more homosexual activities than we think of today. In that particular area. Yeah, yes. in that particular, the Greeks and the Romans and the Spartans and all those fucking savages, they were banging each other. They always were. And it was a part of life. It was a normal thing. And men having boys for lovers. And like that was like, I mean, how many philosophers had to say, hey, that's not real. <laughs> It's not Spartan. Not it's your boyfriend, you fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> put that, you put some gay guy up. Don't do it again, you fuck. Put it, put it down. <clears throat> That's, it's not, not, oh, it's not, man. you know, I mean, how is that? Well, you're talking about murderers and, and, and warmongers. You're talking about people that right. constantly engaged in the slaughter of people. Like, why would it somehow or another discredit them if they had gay sex? Like, who gives a shit? Right. But it, it is the reality. The reality is like this, this picture, that's a real depiction of a, a real gladiator and a real young boy. Because that right. shit was like super common. Well, some people thought in that particular age that the only true love that could exist was between a man and a young boy. 
that's unfortunately how that society chose to. I mean, you know, that, in other words, has been used in a lot of times I've seen to taint the um, the arguments that are made for, for, for gay rights when people say, oh, well, now they're going to want children. That, had, that has absolutely nothing to do with that. That's a different, complete era of time in which people didn't have adulthood defined the way we do now. And I think that's the problem that, that engages. And I'm not being an apologist or excusing it. It's just that when, let's say that it's the year 1200, you know, you become an adult not when you hit 18 years old. You know, most people die when they were like 30. So if you're 18, you're damn near like the equivalent of like a being a middle-aged man. But if you think about it, during that particular... <laughs> How dare you, Spartans? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> yeah, that's not where you're supposed to put yeah. that. Oh, well, put down your rock, real quick. Yeah, oh this is called yeah. back mount. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, see how one of them is muscular and the yeah. other one is not. Bro, broke back well. Greek. See that? Look, closing on the guy on the bottom. Even back then, they had tops and bottoms because it's like one dude who just clearly is the one who's going to get fucked every time. <laughs> And the other dude is going to do all the fucking. See, look at the guy on the bottom. He's all smooth and shit. Doesn't look like he does his sit-ups. Doesn't do yeah. his squats. The guy on top is very ripped. The, other, the guy on the bottom is kind of doughy. The other guy on the bottom is getting together. ripped, too. He gets tired. <laughs> he gets tired easy. The guy on the bottom needs a lot of naps. Yo, but you couldn't have a movie like that. If you had a movie like that where you showed the true lives of the Spartans, well, well, people wouldn't Stone be able to Troy. deal with it. Right, yeah, no, but not, did they have a lot of gay not, sex in that movie? No, not try Alexander. I mean, Alexander. Oh, it was gay because Colin Farrell was it. It was the the lead. <laughs> Him and whatever the, guy, the right? other dude was in there. Answer but let that. me ask you something: in the MMA, where like you have your balls in someone else's face and they're on the ground, are you allowed <laughs> hey, to talk shit? Are you allowed easy. to talk shit like that? Absolutely. You, you have to be like, yo, suck my want. dick when you're on the floor. Yeah, and you could like, if yo, you want to fuck with a guy's head, you could definitely do that. As do long people as people do a lot of that shit. Oh yeah, there's some dudes. Nick Diaz talks mad shit during yeah. every one of his fights. Every one of his fights, he's standing in front of people, going, "What bitch? What bitch? Boom!" And then it pops you. Oh, I'm fucking you up, bitch. Like, he'll talk shit to you while he's No, I don't you. mean that white frat boy swag shit that they pull no, no, right no, no, before no, no, the cops come. No. I just mean like... Nick Diaz like, is Mexican, first of all. No, 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 but I'm just saying, I, I, I know, I picked that up on it when the Diaz <laughs> came out. I'm just saying, you know, that's just what I hear. Oh, what's up, bitch? It's well, let's do this right now. Like, oh, when officer, you, you know, that man accosted me. That's the way I see all the time at schools mm -hmm. when, I, when I used to wild out. My, my thing is this, though. Yeah, no, but you're not talking officer. No, we're talking about an MMA fight. We're talking about right. You know, I'm, a fight I'm, that's but, happening but no I mean, what? But I mean, in terms in terms of the sexual portion of oh, it. Oh yeah, I'm sure guys do. I'm sure guys fuck with guys. Look, if someone's gonna fuck with you and try to get inside your head, they're gonna try to do it by any means necessary. Right. Whatever words they no, can use. But there's to piss no you limit off. on that. It, like for example, other sports. They have a limit to what they can say, and then they're like, oh, no, this is, like, too... Like, didn't they get in trouble on some shit in the NBA where they were talking about somebody else's wife, or you're only allowed to say certain things, or you're talking about somebody else's kids in yeah. their ear? Like, for example, in, in, in certain soccer leagues, you're not allowed to mention somebody's family or talk about racism. Oh, like when you're in a scrum? Oh, I know that football players are notorious for that, for saying the darkest, most evil shit to someone right. on another team. I'm going to rape your baby. Yeah. Someone, Dude, you got a beautiful kid. I'm gonna fuck its face right after I pound you into the ground. Like dudes have, without a doubt, said shit like that. But yeah, it's psychological no, war, man. Trying to get you to lose no, your cool. But there's no. But similar to some the way some sports regulated. Should it be regulated, Joe? No. 
No, it's free speech. Any anything that you say in, in terms, your house is on fire right now. Well, that's different. Oh no! Look, first of all, you saying in the middle of a fight, you right. can't. Yeah, you should be able to say your house is on fire. How the fuck would you mo- know my house is on right, fire? Right. Or you know what? Get your dick out of my face. <laughs> Stop talking shit about my house. What is this? This is. Uh, Why don't got, you pull it down so we can read it? Yes, yeah, so this is a uh, Carmelo, New York Yix, C- Carmelo Anthony Est- Carmelo Carmelo estranged from wife Ella whatever Lala. What is it about? What is it about? He, Why uh, are you putting he, this up? He pretty much said a, a comment like when he was playing, uh, your wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. And it just oh, I remember oh. this. Yo, so he's getting in trouble for that? You know what's funny? Mello was waiting. I bet waiting. she does, though. <laughs> Let's be honest. She's pretty. Mello was waiting for him, apparently, um, like uh, in uh, where they go to the walk to the bus. Like right there. He was supposedly waiting for him. Oh, like he's going to kick his ass? I mean, I guess and they he, were both he, he in the was, same team together. No, 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 no. no it's different, different teams. It's different teams. Well, you know, that's a choice he's got to have to make on his own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> listen, man. I need that Interesting. Dudes talk shit. It's part. Look, if you, if you do talk shit like that, you're clearly an asshole. You're clearly a right. piece of shit as a human being. And if you're willing to be a piece of shit as a human being just for you know, just to win, you can win without that. You can win without that and be healthier. You know, especially fighting. I mean, you, you know, the odds of you really getting inside a dude's head and, and causing him to do something that's going to make him lose the fight, they're fucking professionals, man. Those, mm. the, the dudes who are really good, stop, Brian. Stop putting shit up. It's distracting. But isn't the, that the, the dudes but, that are winning, man, they're, they're fucking samurais. They know what the fuck they're but doing. The prof- but, but wouldn't the professionals know what to say to get into someone's head? No. Isn't that a no, part no, of, no, 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 no. Isn't no, that no. a part of warfare? No. A lot of guys are not good Mis- at it at all. The greatest fighters ever. Misdirection. Distraction. Yeah, of course but, you have the silent warrior. You, now you're yeah, you're the one who's romanticizing. No, it. no, I'm not. Silent warrior who this will is, just sit there praying at some Buddhist temple until he gets up like Ken and Ryu and goes and beats the shit out of his opponent and then fly back to Thailand so he can sit under that that fake statue and fight Sagat later. No, I mean, dude, he's gonna say some fucked up shit in your ear. Not always. Listen, man, you're wrong. This is why you're wrong. Okay. The greatest fighters almost always are martial artists, like real martial artists. The guys like George St. Pierre, the guys like Lyoto Machida. These guys, they're not shit talkers ever at all. They follow by the true martial arts principles, and that's one of the reasons why they're so good. They don't carry the burden of shit talking. When a guy like Chael Sonnen talks mad shit before a fight, look, Chael can obviously back it up. He's obviously a very good fighter, but make no mistake about it. There's a tremendous pressure on him because of that shit talking, on top of the fact that he's got a fight. That is an extra opponent that you have inside the octagon, knowing that if you lose, my God, you're going to look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Right. That shit is real, and it's an enemy, and it is also enforcing the ego, which is, it has to be left out as much as possible in any situation where you're dealing with extreme pressure. But then what Because ab- it, it shows character. Right. Cracks. Cracks. You know, but then what about, what about a guy like Muhammad Ali? He Muhammad Ali was a, a, brilliant, a brilliant boxer, and he was a brilliant sportsman, and he figured out how to get inside a lot of people's heads right. and defeat them there, but he would have been able to do that just by boxing them. Look, it was beautiful what he did because it was entertaining for all of us and he by doing that he also called a tremendous amount of attention to himself but you know what i think he did was a a form of extreme the extreme braggadocious nature of the way he would talk was so obvious that it was almost like theater like howard cosell said to him champ you seem truculent he goes whatever truculent mean if it's good i'm that right like just that. That's but then that's being beautiful. in somebody's in, in somebody's ear saying whatever you're gonna say to him. You, you know, can if you want. You you see him doing that at that particular mm-hmm. time. Sure. But people wouldn't think he's wrong for that, but someone would think that someone 
who's talking shit on a football field saying reckless things about someone else's family, they're wrong. Oh, they're, don't they're wrong for that. Well, wait, first of all, people definitely thought he was wrong for that. You're no, 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 dealing, I'm not you're saying, dealing I'm not with the perception saying, of Muhammad I'm Ali. You, I'm saying you. Do you think he's wrong for that? No. Okay. Well, I don't think anybody's wrong for anything. I told you I think you should be able to talk mad shit on the football but, field, too. But you said the people who do that are a douchebag. Yeah, they are douchebags. Oh, yeah, he was definitely a douchebag to Joe Frazier. He was 100% a douchebag to Joe Frazier. He used to bring a gorilla, a, a rubber gorilla. Yeah, 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 yeah. During the he time of the him. 50s and the 60s, rather, where you're, you're dealing with, this is when they grew up. Right. Ali and Frazier grew up during the worst racial time in all of history. And Muhammad Ali, in, in this, the history of this country. 1860 like, was probably worse than It's pretty bad. But, I mean, as far as like <laughs> just, just the, the turn of the times, right. the dealing with... Martin Luther King, the, de- the, the all the, the, the race riots, right, civil rights struggles, yeah. and then you're also dealing with a new medium, which is television, and you're dealing with this face that is not only is this guy a, a, an incredibly controversial figure, but this guy's also a black African-American who doesn't want to fight in Vietnam War, and he's holding up a gorilla, and he's calling Joe Frazier and Uncle Tom, right. and he's hitting this gorilla doll. Saying that he's a big, ugly gorilla, Joe Frazier, and he's setting Joe Frazier up to be like this, this, this Uncle Tom with the white man right. champion that doesn't question anything. Well, he's—I mean—he savaged that guy's reputation. It destroyed that guy's mind. He hate Joe Frazier hated him forever, and they could have right. just fought. They could have just fought. You know, they could have just—he could have—he could have left all that racist shit out of there. Could have left all that Uncle Tom shit out of there. He chose to do that. Was he a douchebag? Look, man, I'm just an observer watching a guy live his life. But he was definitely a douchebag to Joe Frazier. Joe mm-hmm. Frazier was pretty open about it. He hated mm-hmm. that motherfucker for a long time because of that shit. He used to make fun of him even when he had, like, Parkinson's and all the other shit about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe Frazier, he, he taunted Muhammad Ali shaking and all that stuff. I mean, he, he, was, he was upset for a long-ass fucking time. And he, when he knocked Muhammad Ali down with that left hook and won that fight, that first fight, make no mistake about it, a lot of people were fucking happy that Muhammad Ali, the draft-dodging mm-hmm. black man who talks all that shit, got beat, and lost his title to the guy who's like a good family man, who, who you know, allegedly. goes to church, yeah, allegedly. Yeah. yeah, he's a fighter. He's a fucking... They're all crazy. Every, <laughs> every fight is crazy. You know, you're fucking throwing bones at a man for a living. You know, that's a nutty way to get by. But he was the preferable one, because he was much more humble, and wasn't this guy, you know, I shook up the world. He wasn't that guy. He was, he was a different guy. He was just a tough guy from the streets of Philadelphia. It's a totally different situation. But people definitely hated Ali because of his talking shit. They always hate guys who are confident. There's always going to be people that want to chip you down when you're that con- confident. Is Anderson Silva coming back? Who knows, man? Are you it's a hard you, injury you, to come back from. You tell me. Is he going? I don't know. Any uh, predictions? He, you know, I wouldn't have no idea. First of all, I'm not a doctor. Second of all, <laughs> I don't know what's on, going on in his head. You know, you get the psychology of a guy who loses twice in devastating fashion like that, once by catastrophic injury in a fight that he's, uh, uh, quite honestly, losing. He yeah, lost no, he that was. first round in a pretty big way. He was way. losing. He was losing that fight. In a big way that first round. And that guy was gaining on him. That guy's a scary guy, that Chris Weidman. He's a, he's a fucking beast. And he beat Anderson twice. I saw some videos of him fighting other people. He's a monster. He's a monster. He's, he's a really... Tough guy. Tough wrestler who grew up getting his ass kicked by his brothers. Those are the most dangerous motherfuckers. Yeah. Those li- the, the youngest kids of a, a family full of savages. Dad was like a pro football player. All stud <laughs> athletes. House full of stud athlete dudes. You have to be tough as fuck to be the young brother. Right. They probably broke a bone of his or two growing up. He dropped up. a metal plate on his head. He was like relaying all the different times he was bullied by his brothers. 
And what what happened? They they created a guy who gives zero fucks and will punch your face in. I mean, that's what he is. And Anderson Silva just couldn't hang with that two times in a row. Call all yeah, the showboating you know, and all that stuff aside. He, he was showboating the first time in the, during the first fight. And he I, was, but I, one I of really, the reasons why he was showboating is because he was getting smashed when he took him down. He right. wanted Weidman to keep that fight standing where he has the best advantage because he took Weidman took Anderson to the ground early in the first round and hit him with some vicious ground and pound. No, I saw, I saw Stung that. him, rolled his eyes back in his head. He hit him with a couple hard shots, one very clean right hand that without a doubt Anderson saw some sparks. Without a doubt. And he knew that that was a real dangerous position. He couldn't hold this guy back for very long. Holding on to him on the ground is tough. He's too strong. He's too good of a wrestler. Right. And, he, and he hits too hard. So his best chance was to get this guy to stand up with him. So he started getting cocky with him, talking shit, trying to get into his head. And that's, that's what actually cost him. What right. cost him was him not fighting like a martial artist, was him being like a guy trying to play psychological warfare. Instead of just fighting with perfect technique, he got the guy to stand up with him, if he can keep that fight standing, he should have the advantage. He's much faster. Mm. His technique is about as good as it gets uh, in all the land. There's no better stand-up striking technique than Anderson Silva's. But in, in goading that guy into an ego battle, he took some chances. And then he got cracked. So I don't know if he's coming back, man. Those are two big losses. You know, I mean, he says and he wants not, to. He's not in... He, he's towards the end of his career, not towards the beginning. Allegedly. Right. You know, some guys can stretch that shit out. What's crazy is guys like Bernard Hopkins, who are 10 years older than him, and t right. Bernard Hopkins has one of the light heavyweight titles in boxing. He's a 175-pound <laughs> champion, and he's almost 50 years old. I mean, no one's ever done that before. But Bernard Hopkins fights exactly the opposite of Anderson. He's very safety technique-oriented. If you watch how Bernard fights... He's a master. I like him. A master with his footwork. He's a master of positioning. He's always in a good place. You're always in a bad place. He's just been around for so long, and he knows how to get guys out of their head. But the way he gets guys out of their head is he's, he he fights rough with them. He gets dirty with them. He pulls on their heads a lot. He leans on them. He he, he fights rough. He fights real rough, and he'll, he'll force a boxer to get into these clinch wars with him, almost like an MMA fight where he wears the guy's arms out, makes him too tired to punch. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he did that to a lot of dudes. He did that to Felix Trinidad. He fucked Felix Trinidad yeah, up. I remember that. Fight a lot of people didn't see him winning. He was an he underdog. He stepped on the PR flag fight. and all that. Yo, they had a green light on him in New York. I remember yeah. that. Back in the day, yo, mad Puerto Ricans were like, yo, green light on that nigga. They, they, were, they were literally going to put like a spear through his heart when he came up here. But yeah. they, they, he, he squashed all that, apparently. I don't know how, but... I, I'll just let it know once upon a time it was very real and the, when back in the 90s if you had beef with uh, a Puerto Rican you had beef with a million of them they was, was, the not, 2000s. They was not playing it was the 2000s that he fought Tito Trinidad I don't remember the exact year but no it was like two. it was like literally 2000 but right was it leaking into that remember the Jerry Seinfeld thing he had beef with the Puerto Ricans what was that Jerry over? Seinfeld did yeah what was it over it was, was it over the PR parade like they, they they had like an episode where they like yeah they're making fun of the parade yeah where like, they, they they then people were calling it racist and all this other stuff but yeah it's, uh, he had to squash the beef with the Puerto Ricans dude it was right after September 11th it was actually September 29th 2001 in Madison Square Garden crazy yeah he stepped on the flight he apologized afterwards he said they actually had to move it because it was supposed to be September 15th, and that was right after September 11th. So they it was in Madison it. Square Garden? Yep, and so they moved it to oh, September wow. 29th. Wow, that's crazy. And he, he beat the shit out of Felix Trinidad. That was a I remember masterful that fight. boxing performance. Masterful. No, I remember that fight. It was genius. Uh, and then he fought Kelly Pavlik, and that was another genius performance. 
I mean, that was another fight where it was a dangerous fight against a real knockout puncher, and he just boxed circles around that kid. He's just so technical, man. So who's going who's gonna to fight the, the Weedman dude now? Well, Weidman's going to fight Vitor Belfort. Yeah? Yeah, that's an interesting fight. Well, it's also interesting because there's a, a real controversy regarding testosterone use because Vitor has a testosterone use exemption. And he's been fighting in Brazil, apparently has low testosterone. So they give him uh, the license to take testosterone, like, all the time. So he's essentially taking hormones, taking male hormones. And Weidman is not. So Weidman is fighting completely naturally with no enhancement whatsoever, just being a young guy with normal But I think supplements and all all kinds of other shit. Maybe. I don't know what he uses. Some guys don't use shit. There's some guys that fight in the UFC that don't use a goddamn thing. They just eat healthy food and drink a lot of water, and that's it. There's quite a few guys who do that. Um, Some guys take a variety of different muscle-enhancing supplements. You know, there's, like, testosterone boosters that are legal. Like, there's uh, one that on it sells called T-plus. It's shown that people, like, weightlifters were showing that it's uh, increased their ability to lift weights in double-blind placebo studies where you're not using, you know, using essentially a a giant group of people. They don't know what they're using, and the people that were using T-plus got higher higher improvement in their their weightlifting. So there's a few Mm. things that you can do. But for the most part, most of the guys that get on it, they get on the synthetic form. They get in on the synthetic form of uh, testosterone. So there's like a few different T plus, and there's a couple, there's a, a couple other test boosters, and there's a few roots that are supposed to work. Like tribulus, tribulus. is supposed to have a, a small effect, and there's some. There's another. What is it? Long jack cat or something like that? I forget. There's another one that's supposed to have some sort of an effect. But for the most part, it doesn't have anywhere near the effect that actually taking testosterone will have so right. these guys take it and vitor is taking it and they're they uh there's a dispute as to whether or not he's going to get licensed in las vegas and if he doesn't get licensed to uh, use testosterone then he has to get off of the testosterone and then fight weidman and if that happens man that's going to be really fascinating because his hormone levels are going to be all fucked up if he's used right. to taking uh, an an extra natural form of testosterone, injecting it into his system, and then he stops doing it, his body's going to have a much lower level of testosterone in his training camps than even a normally a regular a normal person human being. would. He would have much it would, lower. It'll drop off, yeah, because his body's been used to getting it externally. His body's not producing it anymore. <coughs> so it's really interesting. They'll have to they'll have to kickstart his body's production of testosterone, which is like, wow, that's crazy. So it's 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 controversial in that respect, but skill wise, it's a very dangerous fight for both guys. Weidman is a fucking beast, but goddamn, Vitor Belfort looks scary as shit lately. He took out Dan Henderson in the first round. He took out, I mean, he he took him out in a way that no one's ever taken Dan Henderson out like that. Yeah. His his striking is just horrific. It's very very. Scary. I actually I went to uh, like a mixed martial arts competition, but like it was like a local one that one of my friends was supposed to fight in. Um, but he got injured, and so he didn't fight at the end. But I ended up watching it, and it was actually pretty interesting. It was in, uh, it was like in Long Island, uh-huh. um, and it was like a small gym. It was full of like a few hundred people, but it was really interesting. Like I, I saw the the difference in kind of how they run those local mm-hmm. spots, and I, now I've never actually been to one of those big MMA things. So yeah, tell me when you want to go, man. I'll hook I it up. Go. Tell me when you want to go. Eddie you, Bravo. You, you, you heard it. You give heard it here. No, that's, that's jujitsu. You just give me yeah, a day. Yeah. Just tell me which one you want to go to, and we'll hook it up. No, I definitely want to see it, man. You got to like, come. No, I, what are you I doing do. February 22nd? Holy shit. That's my birthday weekend. 
Vegas. There it is. Oh, there it is. There it is. Come on, dude. There it is. What were you planning on doing? This. This is what he's That's, doing. You see that feeling? That's, that's the feeling you get when you're anticipating a hangover. That's what you just did. You went, so oh, what's, no. the, what's the one after that, just in case? Well, there's a big one in Dallas after that, a huge one. It's for the welterweight title, and it's at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. So that's, that's, that's a gigantic event. So you can go to that one. one if you want. That one, uh, I'll give you the exact date of that. That is... Um, that's in March. I think it's March. I want to say fifteenth, but hold on a second. I'll tell you in one second. Yeah. Is it March fifteenth? Yeah. Yeah. That one is going to be gigantic. That is fifty thousand people, man, in in Dallas at oh, Dallas Cowboy sure. Stadium. That's probably the best one to go to because it's going to be historic. That's the title fight. Yeah, it'll be a new new crowning of the welterweight championship because uh, George stepped down. George St. Pierre stepped yeah, down, and so the guy who I thought won the decision, Johnny Hendricks. I thought it was a bad decision, I, and I'm a huge George St. Pierre fan, by the way, of him as a person and as a fighter. But I thought, it, with all honesty, that the decision was incorrect. I thought Johnny won three rounds to two. So he's going to take on Robbie Lawler. So that'll be the new UFC welterweight champion. Dude, you got to come to that. So he vacated the title, and now they're going to they're gonna brawl out. Yes, and there's also Carlos Conda is fighting Tyron Woodley, which is fucking madness and chaos. That's going to be oh, an shit. insane fight. That's an insane, insane fight. There's a lot of insane fights. Who, uh, Diego Sanchez is fighting Miles Jury. That is a great mm. fucking fight. Miles Jury is a beast, real tough young kid, and Diego Sanchez is the, the definition of the word savage. And this Cuban motherfucker, Hector Lombard, you ever seen him fight? No. Nah, Holy I heard of him. shit, is he scary? I heard of him. God damn it. He's a monster. That, he's a monster, dude. He's uh, an Olympic judoka, judo oh, specialist Jesus. who who doesn't even use his grappling, just knocks people the fuck out. <laughs> he's a super athlete, and yeah. Um, yeah, he just fought Nate Marquardt and put him away in the first round in a mugging. And Nate Marquardt's the former Strikeforce champion, and Lombard just mugged him at 170. He's terrifying. He fought his whole career at 185. He's the Bellator champion at 185 pounds, yeah. but d- dropped down to 170, and he's just like a muscle. I mean, the dude has like 6% body fat and just shredded, shredded spring of just corded steel. And he's just, everybody just tries to get the fuck away from him, just throwing the, bombs at you. The, the, the move that uh, Weedman made. To, Weidman. To, Weidman, pardon <laughs> me. To, to uh, the weed man. That's what I'm going to call him. You're the weed man, homie. I'm not going to say that I bet he's heard that. No, no, I'm sure he's heard it a million times. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, people call me that before I break their fucking legs, homie. He wouldn't the, say that. He's a super nice guy. No, he probably is. He's most very nice most niggas that I know that really, really got it like that, they don't ever start problems. They no, just wait till the no, problems no. come to them, and they take care of it, and they keep it moving. Well, the guy he's fighting is a super nice guy, too. Uh, Carlos Conner is fighting uh, this guy, Jake Shields, who's a jiu-jitsu uh, black belt, who's mm. a world-class grappler. So it's a real, real interesting The guy just beat Woodley in his last fight, so... It's a very interesting, very interesting fight. And what about this? Uh, who's going to fight uh, John then? John Jones. John Jones is going to fight. He's going to fight in Baltimore, and he's going to fight Glover Teixeira, who's the scariest oh, motherfucker out of all him. the 205-pound contenders. Glover is the fucking devil. He's scary. That yeah. guy's, he's, everybody knows that Glover was on the sidelines for six months. He had a visa issue, and he couldn't get to the United States, and he was fucking people up in small shows because he was one of Chuck Liddell's training partners, and he has been mm. world-class, like top of the food chain world-class for almost a decade now. Like, Sokaju, before Sokaju made this big splash in Pride and was knocking, knocked out Little Nog, knocked out Ricardo Arona. Before he did that, Glover Teixeira fucked him up in the WEC. Mm-hmm. But Glover had visa issues. For, so for six years, everybody knew that Glover was like, 
having real problems trying to fight in America, but he's fighting in Brazil and just beating the fucking shit out of people, man. He's a beast. What was the visa issue? He was Brazilian, and sometimes you know you have a, an issue getting a, um, a, the the visa to fight Not in America. The money. He didn't have the money. He wasn't fighting for the UFC back then. He was fighting for smaller organizations, right. and you know you got to have a visa before the UFC can even sign you. It's funny because we we're gonna have a, a discussion later on today, um, down in like chunking. We're gonna have a, a, a talk about immigration, and we were discussing this specific issue about. Um, they were saying, oh, you know, it's the law. The, all the critics are saying, oh, it's the, the law has to be enforced. It's not just the law. It's the law for poor people. Because when mm-hmm. you're rich, apparently, and, and some of my friends that are, that are, are lawyers that handle uh, immigration cases, they'll tell me straight up, no, listen, there are rich families from places in Asia and the Middle East that when they want to come here, they buy a green card. And I was mm-hmm. like, what do you mean buy a green card? And yeah, Glover wasn't up, rich. They set up a, a, a company in order to to employ certain people here. It has to be a certain, it's like $200,000, $300,000. And when they pay into it, they immediately are given green cards to manage the business here as long as they employ a certain amount of Americans. But like you say, you know, he probably just didn't have the people backing him up. Yeah, you got to have mad cash to buy or you make a fake company in order to get green cards. But it can be done. $300,000? Look, if you're a really wealthy man from Iceland and you wanted to come to America <laughs> and get a green card. I'm sure right. it could be arranged in some you know, guys got a billion kunars or whatever the fuck their money is. You know, whatever their money is over there. But my friend Glover, this uh, guy who's going to be fighting John Jones, who also, uh, I'm, I, I'm actually friends with John Jones. I love that guy. That's right. a tough fight. Tough fight for both guys. Glo- Glover is a beast, but John Jones is a goddamn freak athlete. He's a freak. And I think John Jones is going to be ultra motivated for this fight. I felt like he he learned something. His last title defense was a tough fight against Gustafson, who's a mm-hmm. beast. It was a great, great fight. Really, really close fight. John won that decision, and I think you know really realized he was in a war and has barren down. He's saying all the right things, and I think he's going to try to look to put on a show against this mm. Glover cat. But Glover is scary as fuck, man. When Glover, are they going to fight? They're going to fight in Baltimore in April. Glover puts people to sleep, man. He puts people to sleep with one punch. He fought Ryan Bader, and Ryan Bader hurt him. Ryan Bader tagged him and wobbled him. And as Ryan Bader moved in to close the show, Glover Teixeira shut his fucking lights off. He's a monster, man. He's been around a long-ass time, and he hits fucking hard. We had his trainer, uh, John Hackleman, was on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about holding the mitts for this dude, and he's like, he hits you different. He's like, and Hackleman, by the way, was a kickboxing champion. Motherfucker's right. been around since the 70s doing mm. karate and kempo. And he's, he's seen it all and then some. And he talks about Glover. He's like, and this fucking guy hits you. Like, you feel the knuckles through your hand. Like you're holding the pads for him. He's like, I've never felt it like that. He goes, I've never had anybody punch me that hard. He goes, not Chuck, not anybody. And he goes, Chuck is a murderous puncher. This guy punches even harder. He's like, it's like ridiculous, like Mike Tyson style punching power. He's like, right. he, if he hits you, you're fucked. And he did that to Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader tagged him, had him wobbled and covering up. And Ryan Bader moved in for the kill. And Glover just, boom, just dropped a haymaker on him. And you see his eyes go sideways and his legs give out. Just motherfucker I saw a fight recently. I forget who it was, but one person was really wearing down this motherfucker's leg. He was just working on the leg, beating the shit out of his leg. And then just hit him with the... Overhand right, knock dude out. It might well. There's been a few of those. You know, was it a kickboxing match or was it a, a MMA fight? It was an MMA fight. Was it the UFC? 
I believe so. It might have been uh, Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza is one of the most scary guys when it comes to uh, leg kicks in the UFC. He's one of the uh, the top lightweights. He's actually fighting Donald Cerrone. That's coming up soon. God damn, that's going to be a good fucking fight. I guess it's the American oh, Airlines Center, Joe, Dude, not is, the is there a lot of ga- oh, okay. Is there a lot of gambling at these events? Oh, yeah, in Vegas, 100%. The one, if you want to come to the uh, Vitor Belfort-Chris Weidman fight, that's in May. That's May 24th, if you want to come to that. That's going to be in Vegas. And that, I, I just hope, you see, if they don't give Vitor a testosterone use exemption, I mean, I, I understand what everybody says. It's not fair. I, I understand the logic. But if they don't give it to him, he, he really shouldn't be fighting for the title unless he can get his hormones back in order. I mean, if he's been taking testosterone for a long period of time, I don't understand how his body's just going to start magically producing it again on its own. Unless they figure out something that they could give him that'll kickstart his production of testosterone. But if that's the case, shouldn't he have been doing that in the first place? So I don't know. I mean, if the guy really does need testosterone, I hope they give it to him. Because if they don't, it's, he's not going to really be able to fight. Right. Not to the same well, level well, that he's going to be able to fight if he's on it, obviously. Wasn't, but that's wasn't, a, that's wasn't Mike Tyson taking, like, pills or mood-oriented pills when he fought Lennox Lewis? Somebody told me this story. They said I think he was, he was taking, on antidepressants. Yeah, yeah, he was taking some sort of medication. Yeah, that's happened before. Um, guys, I, mean, I, guys I saw him kiss him on, on, his, on his cheek and all. He was trying to be <laughs> nice to him. He's, he said, I love you. He said, I love yeah. you to your mom. You know, not to make uh, fun of Mike Tyson. You know, he's a monster even now. But I'm just saying... When I look at that, I'm like, all right, how could he not have been affected by that? You're on mood-altering drugs, and now they're asking you to fight for your life. And then at the end of it, you put a flower in a nigga's hair, and then you <laughs> kissed him on the cheek. Yeah, I don't know what he was on when he fought Lennox, but I wouldn't be surprised, man. He, he was high on drugs during major fights. He definitely said that. Right. That he was, uh, he was doing coke all the time. And uh, he even used a, uh, a fake penis to uh, avoid detection. <laughs> He used one of those fake rubber penises. He's a bad motherfucker, dude. I, I love the fact that he comes out and just tells everything about everything that he did that was crazy. It makes me more inclined to believe that he never raped that girl, first of all. And it makes me more inclined to sort of forgive him for being so fucking crazy. The, all the horrible things that he definitely did do. It's like the guy was living a wild, reckless life. He's telling you all he did. He's telling. He's opening up the door. Like this is all the shit I did. I was doing coke and fighting people. Right. And people are like, oh, I, I used a rubber dick. Like, damn, Jesus Christ. I I think he's he's a classic story. In my opinion, he's the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. I you think put, so. Yes, I put him at the top of the list. I think for a brief moment in time, people want to consider his whole entire career. Towards the end, out of prison, after prison, post prison. But I think that before then, I think when he was in his prime, the guy that beat Larry Holmes, I think the guy that beat Marvis Frazier, mm. I think that, that Mike Tyson no, is the I'm greatest saying, heavyweight boxer. But he also player. had some old paper champion dudes that he fought and, mm-hmm. a, and a bunch of them. Obviously, not the ones you mentioned. And then the Razor Ruddock fight was mm-hmm. crazy. Those people really gave him a run for his money. He, he had to punish them as much as they were trying to punish him. But for some of them, for example, the Buster Douglas thing, he took that shit lightly. He walked in like it was whatever, and it went over with some other fighters, but not with Buster Douglas. Well, that was also post-prison. He wasn't the same guy. Right. Wasn't it? No. No. No, no, no. No. I'm wrong. Buster Douglas happened. Before. Then all the crazy shit happened. 
Then he went to prison, right? right. Then he lost his title. And he yeah, went, and then he came up. back, and then he came back and he fought Holyfield, and now those Holyfield debacles, those were fucking crazy when he bit Holyfield's ear. Right, right, that right. was all post-prison. You're right. When he was getting, with, with that, he was saying that Holyfield was headbutting him, yeah. which he does yeah. all the time. He does. When you go back and you look at all the tapes, no doubt. he headbutts everybody. But Tyson did it too. I mean, they, they headbutted right. each other. And the, the point being that Tyson like, didn't stay at the same level. When Customato died and then Kevin Rooney took over, I think he maintained that level for a little bit. But I think that the fame and the fortune and the madness were too crazy. When you have your own fucking lions, when you, you're living in a gigantic 100 fucking room house and right. you bought 15 Bentleys you know, for every person you've ever met, it's, it's, he's a, he's a madman. Right, yeah, you you can't got a bunch of freeloading ass people with you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, but I just think I don't think you can keep it up. But I think that when he was at his best, I think he only kept it up for a few years, like two years, three years. But I think during that time, he was the greatest of all time. That's my personal opinion. I don't think anybody ever sent shockwaves through the boxing world the way that guy did. When he emerged on the scene and just started starching people. With right. fucking haymakers that came at the speed that Roberto Duran would throw them, yet it's coming from a guy who's 215 pounds and just launching motherfuckers into orbit. That right hook to the body, right uppercut that would that, snap your fucking that head uppercut, back. That uppercut oh. was, when I see the, 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 the old YouTube videos of him fighting, that oh. uppercut is the way he murder. Comes up. Like, oh. I, I don't know how someone's jaw was intact after that. He was ferocious. But you can't keep it up forever, man. It's redlining. When you redline an engine, you go, bah! you get that bitch right. up to 9,000 RPMs, and then you got to shift gears. Right. You have to. And he didn't ever shift gears. He somebody, redlined it to the somebody end. Somebody told me, um, we were having this discussion about like music, and I, I went to the Berkeley College of Music, and I was telling kids, like, listen, it, people don't generally get rich off of music. What, what artists do is they take that nest egg of money that they do or that they get from music, and they invest it wisely in something else. The richest rappers, quote unquote, are people who have made some money in music and they say, oh, you know what? I'm going to start like a, a construction company or, or a contracting company or I'm going to buy six waffle houses or I'm going to get, you know, a clothing company or whatever it is. And that's how they make their money. What What is the twilight for fighters, Joe? Where, where do they fall back Well, on? it depends the on hell? the fighter. It depends right. entirely on the get fighter. A restaurant. Some guys become commentators, like right. Chael Sonnen. He'll eventually be a commentator for sure. He is one now. Rashad Evans is doing commentary now while he's fighting. Brian Stan retired. He became a commentator. Kenny Florian retired. He became a commentator. A lot of them are there. And they're also becoming judges. Ricardo Almeida is a judge in New York Coach. now. And he's also, a lot of them are coaches. That's most likely the, the best path for them, especially the guys that still love the sport. They still want to be around the sport. Like Dwayne Ludwig is the Coach of the Year. He won Coach of the Year. Congratulations, my friend Dwayne. He won Coach of the Year for 2013, rightly so, because he did a tremendous job of transitioning between being a great fighter to being an even better coach. I mean, an amazing coach for this team alpha male. He just changed that whole fucking team. I mean, they're all striking like at a very high level now, much, much higher than they were before. So that's a good transition for Dwayne, and he's doing very well with that. But some guys, uh, they just quit and go into business. Keith Jardine opened up a coffee company. He's a caveman coffee that's Keith and uh, my friend Tate, who also was a former MMA fighter. They, they opened up a coffee company. Some guys go into acting. You know, Gina Gershon's like a famous actress now. Gina Gershon. Gina, <laughs> god damn it, what's her name? The, Gina Carano. <laughs> Gina Gershon's obviously a famous actress, too. Um, that was another rumor that Clinton fucked her, too. That's why it was, I've been following all this. Oh, Clinton fucked everybody. God, I love, yeah. love him. 
Clinton. Last, last American presidential dick slinger, ladies and gentlemen. Yo, dude, it, it, what was he? They say he smashed out Liz Hurley. Yeah, yeah. There's a picture of them staring at each other, looking at each other's eyes, and you're like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's just too romantic. The look, the, them looking but, but at each other. But was it? wasn't it Tom, <laughs> Tom Sizemore that was Liz dry Hurley. snitching? He was, a, yes. he, he was a dry snitch. Yep, that dirty son of a bitch. That nigga's a snitch. He is. That's, That's what I said. That's the first thing I said oh, on the thread. God, I said, what this tells on, me man. is that Tom Sizemore can't keep a fucking secret. Dude. Yeah, that's weak. That's Come weak. on, man. You. And you gonna throw Bill under the bus? There's the picture. Come on, son. Look at his eyes. No one escapes that dick. That dick is a, <laughs> that dick's an octopus. Dude. It comes out and grabs oh, everything. Yeah. Look at her looking at him. I mean, that is like a dominant submissive picture if ever people were not touching, but one was encroaching. Look at his body language. He's leaning towards her. Look at her. Look at her left shoulder turned slightly away from him. She wants to lay down right now. Look at her. Liz oh, her. dirty. Liz Too dirty, dirty, dirty people. I love it. I wish I was there. I'd beat off in the corner. I wouldn't say a word. <laughs> slick, slick Willie tearing it up. Oh my I don't know how we got on that subject. We were talking about Mike Tyson beating the fuck out of people. And we oh, got to so that. Oh. That's just rude. That's just rude. The tits oh. are tremendous. You don't need to fuck up the picture by putting Hillary in there. Get that, get that picture down. You don't need to fuck up all of our minds by thinking about the guilt that he must have suffered right after he nutted. Uh, not worth it, shit. Not, oh, kiss And she feet. knows. She knows. Oh. No, zoom in, in the back. Zoom in on the shorty yeah. right the there. And the one in the back is like, yo, it's popping. Yeah, she knows. Yeah. She knows. yeah, look at her. She fucking oh knows. Oh, my God. Look at that woman. That's oh, wow. Yeah, Who? not her. Yeah. That's George, George Washington. <laughs> 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 it is George Washington. What oh. the fuck is that guy doing? <laughs> they play dress up. Look, Paul Revere is right behind him yeah, to his right. right look at this, Paul Revere. Paul Revere. Look at that George woman. Revere. That woman's a hater. No, the woman right yeah. there. She, get up to her. Ooh, look at that. Face. She knows. She knows. That is the classic She's hater like, face. She got the dick. I didn't. She, def oh, she definitely knows that something bitch. was going on under the table. That woman, she saw as soon the as they table. got in their car, her and her husband, she was like, that motherfucker, did you see the way he kissed Elizabeth Hurley? Oh, he's such a pig. I just... I despise him. Rush Limbaugh's right. Look at him. Disgusting. You know what's funny, though? When I, when I heard about this, it was so interesting that I, I heard conservatives come out the woodwork. Um, who was it? I think it was Rand Paul was like, oh, man, this is terrible. The president should apologize. But wait a minute, homie. Where were you when Newt Gingrich was running for office? Because didn't he drop his wife and then deal with another woman and then deal with another one? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, isn't that the... the, the the benchmark of men that are in power. They're just looking to play gotcha. All these shitheads are right. just using that like uh, it's points on a board. Like nobody ever fucked nobody. Yeah, oh, they please, scored on you. On, they yo. caught you. They scored on you. They got points now. And they're yeah. just going to use those points to try to shut you down and build them up. But it all just makes everybody look like a bunch of bitches. Because if that was going on amongst your friends, let's say if there was 10 of your friends. And one of your friends was not particularly happy with his wife's relationship. And so he started banging Elizabeth Hurley. And all you guys found out about it. I if wouldn't you, dry snitch. You, I wouldn't play if, Tom Sizemore. I'll tell you, you that. If you went out and you, you snitched, no one would want to hang out with you anymore. Right. They'd be like, what the fuck, Tech? But Come who, on, man. But who's going to party with Tom Sizemore now? Not me. I'll tell you that, Tom. Go fuck yourself, pal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Non-secret keeping motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I met Tom Sizemore. He's a cool dude. That's why I was, I was shocked. I, I did a show called The List. 
And uh, he came on, and uh, it was like a thing for VH1. It was pretty cool, man. But I think it was him and uh, Rob Halford from Judas Priest were on the same show. Did he, did he know, or was he secretly being recorded? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know if he even really said it. I'm just talking shit. Like I said, I met the guy. He's a nice guy. Oh, supposedly he said it in some interview or something yeah, like that. Allegedly, that's what everyone's saying. And there's a picture of him. Look, man, the dude also did a lot of drugs. He probably is not thinking so good. Like his uh, his judgment's quite suspect. He's not the kind of guy you would want to have some information. If Tom Sarsmore finds up dead. Vince Foster style on a hill with oh, a, a gun God, attached to his yeah. thumb oh, and no no blood yeah. at the scene of the crime. Super ugly. Yeah, Vince. The Strange Death of Vince Foster is a fantastic book. You want to talk about a weird death that appears to be murder? Uh, this was during the Clinton administration. There was a guy named Vince Foster, and you know he knew some things about some things, and a bunch of people knew some things, and Vince Foster might have been uh, a liability. And uh, he wound up dead holding on to the gun in his hand with the, the thumb still on the trigger, which they say never happens. They say that when someone shoots themselves and you commit suicide, your hand goes, the gun just goes flying. Like, you don't hold on to the gun. Right. The, the violence of a gun, like if you've ever Boom, shot a gun, yeah. you know that guns have a kick. Well, if you're not conscious, you're not going to hold on to that gun. And see where Vince Foster has his, his thumb, like, trapped in, where, holding on to the, to the gun? He's also lying down uh, in an area where there was no blood. There's more blood missing from his body than was at the scene of the crime. His body was moved. Somebody moved him there. It doesn't mean that he didn't kill himself. He, he still could have killed himself. He could have killed himself with a gay lover, and the gay lover wanted to cover up the story, so he grabbed the body and dropped it off somewhere and put the gun <laughs> in his thumb. Who knows? And I'm just making that gay lover part up. I don't know why I went there. Because you've been staring at two oh, of those images that Brian Redman keeps bringing up with fucking Greek shit. Whatever the reason don't was. Don't that, please. Or Jesus. whoever killed him. Whoever killed him. It's, it's most likely that uh, whether it was he killed himself or somebody else killed him, they moved his body. And uh, they put a gun in his thumb. It just uh, doesn't add up. Doesn't mm. add up. It's a, it's a strange case because uh, that's when the the Whitewater shit was going on. Right. Not Whitewater. What was the the what was the the land deal that the Clintons were involved? Whitewater. In? They lost money on the deal supposedly. But wasn't Whitewater the Nixon shit? No. 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 What, what was the Watergate? The, Watergate. Was the Nixon shit. All this water talk. Water is a problem with presidents. <laughs> you know. You know what's crazy? Um, I tell you a personal story. When I was incarcerated. I was in Pennsylvania, and I was processed through an area, um, and there was this uh, district attorney named Ray Grecar. Um, he disappeared. And another people who were watching from Pennsylvania, they know, they know this story, um, shot the PA. And the crazy thing is that he literally, he was investigating the Sandusky mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that they found his fucking laptop without, right. a, without a hard drive. Right. And he disappeared. Gone. Gone. And the ASA that tried my case was then disbarred after, uh, like, two, it was, like, maybe two or three uh, uh, cases after me for tampering with evidence. Supposedly there was some shootout, and, like, he had removed shell casings from the scene of the fucking crime. How about that other judge in, in Pennsylvania that got accused of sending kids yeah, to juvie homes? Yeah, he was sending selling kids children. kids to jail, selling them for money. He made $3 million over Unf the course of fucking, like, Ten Unbelievable. Years. That guy's a judge. Right. And he's making sure that kids go to jail. For paper. Fuck, for money. Oh, God, that's crazy. There's not a hole small enough or dark enough to shove him in, dude. No. You gotta kill that guy. That guy, they should put him in a corner and some parent, <laughs> you give a parent the gun. And you go in, you shoot that fucking guy in the head and you feed him to pigs. That's it. <laughs> 
It's over. You don't let that guy rot away and live in jail. He chose to take children oh, and right. put them in horrendous situations where you know they were sexually abused. Right. You know, or do you know like, they were physically oh, tortured? 100%. And they could have been let free. And they could have enjoyed their lives. They could have got their shit together. They could have been musicians or comedians or athletes or whatever the fuck they could have been without that horrific mm. life experience that they were forced to endure because of a corrupt judge. Shoot that motherfucker right in the head. Throw him in a box. Let the rats eat him. Throw him in the ground. Let the worms digest his body. Fuck him. Fuck his tombstone. No coffin. <laughs> Get in that hole, stupid. Make him dig his own fucking hole and then shoot him right in the dick. <laughs> fuck that piece of shit. Fuck him, man. Just throw him with the sharks. The, the, the crazy shit is, though, that a lot of people never made that connection between no. his disappearance. And no. it was only something recent that happened. And, I, and still I, not, they're not investigating it. You, right. know, you don't hear a word about it. Well, I mean, it should I, be something that's like... I think that area in PA is a little like that Steubenville situation where it's all some like, you know, yeah. local, uh -huh. good old boys type town. Where, you know, I'll be honest. I heard rumors while I was there. I can't confirm or deny them. And I won't say that they're true because I don't want to get sued but the reality is that I always heard rumors that the judges in that county or that two of them in, in specific would drive drunk all the time home I'm sure and every single day a cop would follow them so that if they veered too far off the road he would take them out put them in his car drive it and then come back and get his other car 100% I wouldn't doubt it for a goddamn second that, when, when, that whenever someone ha had like an issue with drug addiction or something like that, they would always clean it up for, for like a cop's kid or for the judge's child or something like that so I mean when you talk about a tiered justice system it's ironic that people say, oh, man, technique, you, you, you make conscious music. And I always remind them, being conscious doesn't imply that you're going to do anything. It just means you know that something's wrong. But I think that the consciousness of this society is much more aware. All the divide and conquer shit that we were talking about in the beginning of the show, that's harder to do today. Because I don't have a beef with Canada. I don't have a beef with Mexico. I don't have a beef with any part of the world. I've met people in other places, and they've been just like me, and I've talked to people online. But you travel, Joe. That's different. Like you know, you see a but lot of different people. You're right, but I think that this connection that we're all experiencing online is a very different way of experiencing the world. Right. And that the divide and conquer is almost impossible now. It's almost impossible but, as long as we can understand each other. Now, let me ask. If people, for example, they think that something's fake, they think something's not real, then they're upset about it. Mm -hmm. You know, Let's say people found out right now that the Super Bowl was staged just as much as something like wrestling would be. All right, now, the injuries are real. Just like they say in wrestling, hey, man, you know, the wrestling's fake, but the injuries are real. You know, I think that people would be on a verge of ripping the place apart. Well, you you could fake you could fix the Super Bowl, but to fake the Super Bowl would no, be no, too no, no, huge. No, 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 not fake. But obviously, to say all right, we want we would we would be more inclined if this team won or if this. And I know people would say that's so impractical that could never happen. The World Series has, has been accused of being fixed several well, times. This is what you could do. This is what has been done. What they can do is they can hire referees and make sure that the referees are paid for and bought off and bribed and then if there is a situation where a questionable call can be made right. where they can call it one way or the other especially before they used to use instant replays right i mean the instant replay thing clears up a lot of shit there's a lot of things they i mean if a ball's not in a ball's right. not in if it's a dude's in. foot is out of bounds a dude's foot's out of bounds if you're looking at the instant replay there's not much you can say but before all that man god damn they must have rigged a lot of games I mean, didn't, didn't basketball referees, didn't yeah, somebody... They got caught. They got caught. There was a fucking ring. There was, was a ring of them. Out of Philly, matter of fact. And what was going yeah. on? What was the story? Uh, they had, I think it was like 12 <coughs> of them. 
And they were all referees? Yeah, and they had it for years. Like, they were just on the payroll. and uh, Hilarious. They were, they were connected. How they got caught is one of the bookies, somebody, <coughs> they ended up tapping, like, a bookie's phone, and so basically the bookies was paying them. Unbelievable, man. Well, it only makes sense when you think about the amount of money involved in gambling. You know, that's the thought about uh, fixed fights, too. I mean, the, the, real, the fixing fights is not like, you know, the champions paying you off to lose. No, the fixing fights is someone is, wa- wants to bet a fuckload of money. A fuckload of money. Like, here's a good example. And people have tr- said, I'm crazy for thinking this. But Manny Pacquiao, when Manny Pacquiao fought Tim Bradley, Tim Bradley won that fight in no one's eyes, but maybe Tim Bradley's family and a couple of people at home that really hate Manny Pacquiao. Most people saw Manny Pacquiao box his face off. They saw him, not his face off, but he won that fight. He won the fight. In my opinion, it was a terrible, terrible decision. But when you find out that someone voted, uh, that someone like put the scores in, and that same someone put the same like really ridiculous score in another fight where it doesn't make any sense, and then you're watching over and over again, you're seeing these these scores that don't make any sense. You're seeing these fights that most people thought the fight one fighter clearly won. And they have like two fighters or two judges will call it where it's, uh, you know, the, the one, one fighter's winning by like six, seven, eight rounds. And then the other one makes it a draw. And you're like, how the fuck could that be? Well, the way it could be is because then it's not a majority decision. And there's unanimous decisions, rather. It's not a unanimous decision. There's unanimous decision bets. So you can bet a huge amount of money that Manny Pacquiao is not going to beat Timothy Bradley by unanimous decision. You're going to bet a, a, a fucking, that it's going to be a split decision. And everybody's going to go, are you fucking crazy? You really going to take that bet? It's like X to 1. No one, no one ever sees split decisions. Well, if one judge is paid off, just one judge, all they have to do is say it's a draw. And everybody else is like, what the fuck are you talking about? What did you watch? That wasn't a draw. But... The guy who makes the money is the guy who paid off the referee to make it a draw, or, or the, the judge to make it a draw, and they win that bet. Clean well, and simple. The, the odds on the first uh, scoring being a touchback. I no, safety. safety. Safety, I mean, were like incredible. Well, yes. The odds were like super sick. People got rich just off of that. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if it's possible that you could just rig that. Is it possible? That would be rig- enough. I mean, that would be I mean, enough. Yeah. What, what, what's, what's, Is that possible to rig? Yeah, you pay the center off. I mean, the center... You, you, and so what does he do? What does he have to I do? I mean, the center basically threw the ball over, you know, the quarterback's head. Did he do much. it on purpose, you think? I you mean, think he, he, did it on he, purpose? he didn't do that the whole season, pretty much. Jesus. Would you do it for $10 million? I mean... that's. But then you've got to account for that $10 million. You've got to show who's, why who's you have that, that $10 million. Who's to say? Maybe it's $10 million. Cash is king in America, as they say. They'll wash it to you. Cash is king in America. We all know that. A truckload of pussy shows up at his house. Just beep, beep, beep. (laughs) (laughs) They lower that back door like one of those uh, aircraft carriers. Will they lower the door oh, and fucking just like, come out like saving private all the, all the girls with keys come out. out. Yeah. Everywhere around the world. <laughs> it's, without a doubt, we know the judges have been paid off. We know that referees have been paid off. We know that there's corruption whenever there's gambling. I, I just think it's harder with fighters because at the end of the day, I mean, a fighter trains and... So it's harder wait, 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 on them. It but looks it's easier more, to do. It looks, uh, but Joe, it, it, you, Joe, at least you can see it. It's it looks more obvious. obvious. Joe, has someone ha, has someone got paid to throw a fight in MMA and UFC? Not in the U. I don't know. I shouldn't say no. I says I don't know of them, but I do know of them in Pride. In fact, Eddie Bravo, 
They offered him a fight in Japan, really? and they told him in no uncertain terms that they could make it so that he wins the fight, and that they can make it so that he wins the fight any way he wants to win. And he thought it was wow. a double cross. He, the way Eddie, Eddie's like, what? What are you talking about? Like, you're going to fix the fight? First of all, Eddie would never do that. He would never compete in a fake fight. He just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't be able to live with himself. I know him. He would never do it, no matter how much money they paid him. And if he did do it, he would tell people right afterwards, I did a fake fight. He, he wouldn't be able to handle it. He would say, look, man, I, I feel bad, but they gave me half a million bucks. I had to fucking do it. You know, and he would just joke around about how it happened. He would never fake it. But what they did was they came to him and they told him that. So if that's the case, one of two things are going on. Either it would be a double cross where he would go there thinking it was a fake fight and that dude would beat the shit out of him and he couldn't say nothing. That's possible. Or he could go there and the guy would lay down. The guy would give up. Or they would have what they would call a hard shoot or, like a, a, or a, a hard work. And a hard work is you're sparring real hard. You're fucking, the guy will kick you with some leg kicks. If shit goes wrong, you could get your jaw broken. You could get tagged and get knocked out. I mean, there's hard works where a guy loses that he's supposed to win because a guy got injured, because something went wrong. Sometimes things happen. But if you're skillful, you can make it look like a real fight. And there's for sure that happened in K1. For sure that happened in Pride. For sure, 100%. I know there's some dudes that told me themselves that they threw fights. They got paid right. a shitload of money, and they, they tapped out the Japanese dude. They got caught in, like, heel hooks or something like that. And the guy won, and he's a hero, and he's, like, a pro wrestler in Japan. There was right, some, right, right. Without a doubt, there's been some fake And then fights. he walks away with, like, yeah, million dollars and, like, whale blubber or yeah. something. <laughs> it's possible, man. I mean, you could come up to some guy. You know, you could take some fighter who doesn't make that much money, and if he doesn't have strong ethics, and you, you say to him, hey, man, look, we're willing to, we want to pay a lot of money down on you losing by submission to this dude because, you know, the odds of him submitting you are really small. So what I want to do is uh, set it up so that, you know, he doesn't even have to know. You just have to give him a submission. And so they would, you know, they would tangle, and, you know, he would, like, give up an arm bar or something like that or give up his neck. Shoot in on a double, a real obvious double where you like literally lay in there for the guillotine and let the guy tap you. That could happen. I mean, it could also happen because a guy makes a brain fart and he forgets and he leaves his neck out there and a dude snatches it up and closes it on him. But it could happen that you give your neck up. And guys do give their neck up sometimes when they want out of a fight. Chael Sonnen has publicly said that he had some issues with that in his career with pressure, that he'd be in big fights and he wound up losing by submission. And it was like he felt like he gave them the submission. Like, you wanted out of there, he left an arm, and the guy caught the arm bar. Like, you really felt like you just couldn't take the pressure. I mean, so like, a, like, so, uh, like a subconscious thing mm -hmm. telling you, yeah. you know, you know it's, we, we t I talked about that before, about how there's a gentle complacency in failure. Mm, that yeah. sometimes people will say, you know what, I could have done that if I tried harder. And that's what they always say, as if to say, I could have done it. Like, mm -hmm. that was a possibility, but I just didn't try hard enough. That, that doesn't make sense for obvious reasons, but at the same time, that eases a lot of the anxiety and the tension that people feel because it's like, all right, you know what? I had a chance to do this, and now I don't have to feel the pressure of dealing with or I found some measure of success, and that's all I really need to deal with. I don't care about anything farther than that. I got what I wanted to get out of this game, and that's it. And if I happen to get tons of money, then fuck it. Well, you know, there's some dudes that can definitely find a way to lose. And they, uh, that psychological burden of, of trying to get your shit together and win, sometimes it's too hard for people, so they almost look to lose to get it over with. That's, that's real. Some people can't take pressure. Pressure is a strange thing, and pressure of not knowing the future, the anticipation of something happening and not being able to control it. 
especially when it deals with physical violence, someone kicking your ass. You know, some dudes just turtle up. They turtle up, try to protect themselves, take a beating, and wait for the referee to pull them off. It's happened before. And then there's other guys that will never do that. There's other guys that will fight with their last fucking breath. And they're just... That warrior code shit where they're just like, yo, you're going to have to drag me out of here. Yeah, it's in their nature. Some guy... And then there's some guys that are just real intelligent. If they start getting hurt, they'll start tapping. You know, like George St. Pierre did that early in his career when he fought Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes was... Or excuse me, uh, Matt Serra. Matt Serra was fucking him up. And he was like, whoa, this is... I got to tap. He was just getting mounted and pounded on. He started tapping. Didn't, you know, lost his title, lost his title to Matt Serra because he was getting fucking pounded on. But he knew he's like, I am way too hurt. I'm not getting out of this one. And this dude's going to put me to sleep. And then it's going to be real bad if I don't tap. Some guys don't do that. Some guys rather go out. Some guys rather get choked out. They don't tap. You know, War Machine, he's going to be on the podcast Wednesday. That fucking dude in his last fight, he got caught in a rear naked choke, decided not to tap. Just went night night. Just went, got choked unconscious. The referee pulled the guy off of him, and that's what he said. Hey, I'm never going to tap. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm fighting to my last breath. And if you choke me out, you choke me out. And that, that happens. In fact, his last opponent did the same thing. War Machine put him to sleep. Got the guy in the rear naked, put him out. Guy didn't want to tap, didn't want to lose. And that's what happens. You know, there's guys like that, and there's guys who just tap. They go, you got me. And then they go back to the drawing board. Right. It's hard to say who's more intelligent. Because uh, I admire the war machine approach, but I also admire the guy who realizes if I tap, I go back to the gym and I still have a right arm. If I don't tap, my fucking arm gets snapped. Right. Then I have to go through rehab. They're gonna put bolts in my arm. They're gonna fucking have to, you know, put uh, screws in there to keep torn the ligaments, thing together. muscles. It's gonna be fucked for six months at least. It might not ever be the same again, even when it heals right. up. There's guys that have gotten injuries where they never came back 100, percent and that's just part of the game. That's part of reality. So it's who's, who's, who's more intelligent. Is the guy more intelligent that taps or the guy more intelligent that says, you know what, man, I'm going to figure out a way to win this fight even though I'm in a terrible situation. And right. if he makes it, then he's a hero. And if he doesn't, he goes to sleep. Right. Well, most intelligent is probably the guy who's bribing him to lose. <laughs> no, that's the least like, intelligent. Cause that's away with like $20 million. He's going to get in trouble. He's going to get yeah. caught. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where has he gotten caught yet doing that shit in the UFC? Has anyone got caught? Well, no. did you see uh, that Russian snooker player who got busted for uh, it, snooker in, in uh, uh, excuse me, English? The Russian uh, Russian organized crime was uh, bribing this snooker. They call it snooker. Snooker player. I was just out there. And, and uh, they wanted this guy to th- miss shot. shots. They wanted him to miss shots. Just, you know, because he's a really famous world champion player. And uh, I think it was Hurricane Higgins. Let's say, but it was a huge scandal because they love their snooker in England. Snooker, yeah. Yo, I had a great time when I was out there. Um, I, I gotta say, England to me reminds me of like the same type of enthusiasm that people had in like the '90s for hip hop, where they're not afraid to boo somebody. You know, you go to <laughs> you know you, you go to New York, you get like an obligatory clap. That's just like oh, it's like this tepid sort of. Loose, like it's kind of like you know when your mom made you shake hands with your brother and you hated each other. It's like shake hands with your brother. Like fuck this dude. Shake hands with your brother. I'm gonna smack you in the fucking mouth. Like, all right, thank you. Here you go. I love you, bro. Yeah, that thing where you can't wait. You know what I mean? But it's like the the people in New York, yo. You go to like (laughs) an underground hip hop show, or you go to some shit. They'll sit through an opener that they hate. This is something I, I, not that I love booing or something like that. It's just 
it's funny to see people be like, I'm really nice. Don't be here. Trying to be nice, Tech. Isn't uh, that okay? Is it okay to be nice? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I come from that. an I come from an era where they were like, get him off the stage. Oh, it still exists. Yo, no, oh, it does. They, it, certain get, areas, certain, certain shows are like that. There's a difference. There's some people's fans that will not tolerate it. Like I saw someone waiting too long for someone to be on stage. A, a random fan jumped. He was waiting for Wu Tang. He jumped on the stage. It was like, get Wu Tang on here. And the the, the the fucking opener was like, oh, hold on, man. He goes, no, man, you suck dick, money. And I was like, God damn, yo, all that? Just because he's you know, trying to entertain y'all while these motherfuckers smoking weed in the back trying to get this set together? What kind of shit is that? But it happens all the time, yo. But in England, I just feel like they just have like a more ruthless approach to it like i've seen people get booed the fuck off there they really are like enthusiastic about it you know i had, I had a great time it's just weird because when I, I walk around there and i meet people they have no idea what i do if they don't know what i do and they're like i walked into a cab for example and this old man was like what will you do for a living sir you know you strike me as a type of man to be an entertainer perhaps a a singer or a rapper and i was just like I looked at him and I wanted to be like, you racist fuck. Like, what makes you think that I'm a... But then I, I thought about it for a second. I was like, no, you know, actually I just teach, you know, middle age, medieval history and the history of antiquity. And the guy's like, really? And you know... Why are you I, lying to that dude? No, no, no. Because I, 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 studied, I studied with it for years. So, I mean, I had, I had a passion for learning about the past like a few years ago where I really, really got into it. So, technically, at some of the prison programs that I've done, I've taught... Um, the history of antiquity. Like, I, I, I tell kids, like, all right, the way that you or, or anybody in this room will believe in Christianity, Judaism, or Islam, people used to believe in these creation mythologies of Sumerian and Mesopotamian times. To, to give people an idea and an impression of a world that exists beyond there where belief is not put into a concrete form. This could be someone's belief, but your belief doesn't necessarily signify that that's exactly what the world is. It's just what you believe the world is. You know, similar to the way people will flip a penny in the air and they think, oh man, it's just 50-50. And then take the same penny and flick it across the ground. And it's not 50-50, it's 80-20 that it's going to be tails because the face of Lincoln is a fraction of a gram heavier than the actual monument on the back or it was on the old copper pennies. So it would fall the similar to the way if you're holding a TV and spinning in a circle, you're going to fall forward, not backward. So that's what a lot of them are getting. They think they're getting the 50-50 shot from the world, but you're not. You're getting spun across the table from the moment you come out the womb you know you're going to be in jail here and then they're going to tell you oh we want to reintroduce you to society how are you going to be reintroduced to a society you were never part of in the first place but back to the point I, this guy this guy's like you know oh you, you do i was like i teach middle-age history he's like antiquity i was like sir you know what antiquity is you know rome babylon greece egypt he's like oh yeah, yeah yeah so i feel like he's tested me and this guy's like and middle age english history you say i'm like yeah you know i was like um he's like whereabouts there i was like you know oh essex wessex sussex kent east anglia mercia northumbria which was divided in half along with strathclyde when the scottish king decided to pledge fealty to the British king and they, they dial radio and the rest. Yo, so the dude's like, what, what do you get into that? Said, what, what made you interested in that? And I just looked and leaned over to him and I was like, you know, to be honest, 
I was just really tired of motherfuckers mistaking me for some kind of singer or actor every time I stepped in some place. So I wanted to get some new shit just to tell people. And he seemed to be totally cool with it. They got a great sense of humor out there. I yeah. love it. I, I'm a I big mean, fan of England. I go there, uh, like, I try to go there once every year or so and do stand-up. They're, that's a very unique crowd. Very unique crowd over there. Very smart, very well-read. Real, cool people, you know? Yeah. They heckle, like, politely. Like, right. fun, fun <laughs> That's what I mean. You see what I mean? They heckle, they heckle polite. It's not like they want to be a dick, but it's just like, hey, I'll give you the alley-oop. If yeah. you can throw it back in my face, I'll, I'll take it. And I'll be cool with it like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I like a good heckle, but it's like it's hard to say what's a good heckle to somebody because the people that suck at it are always going to suck at it. And they're right. like, oh, I'm going to get a good one this time. But no, you're not. You're going to ruin the show. Right. Some people can be smart and they know what to say at the right time and it's funny. And other people, they just ruin the whole thing. But some people plant hecklers, don't they? No. Well, not that Come I know of. There. Not that yeah, I they know they do of. to work off of a... Uh, I have never whatever. known a single comedian to ever plant someone in the audience and work off of them. If they have, if I've heard stories of doing it, it's all been hearsay. I've right. never, never heard of one person that plants a guy. I think it would be so obvious. I mean, people have had people in the audience as a part of a gag. Right. Like they've, they've, they've set things up. Like, as a, like Brian Holtzman used to always have people in the back of the whole audience asking about his gay son. It was like a, a gag. It was a bit that he would do. And we would always do, tell us about your gay son. And he would go, sir, there's no need to talk about that right now. But since it's been brought up, and they would tell this story about his case, it's a fake, you know, just a bit. But we, that would almost be like, that's like the closest to a plant in the audience I've ever heard of. <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody planting hecklers? Yeah. Who? Um, let's see, who was that? Yeah, I'll think about it. I okay. know there's something I've heard it. of it before. I've never heard, I don't know, I definitely, not a single one of my friends has ever done it. But a good heckler will, will or, or any good bad someone that heckles you in the right way actually gives you fuel as a comedian don't they, they it makes Sometimes, you able to bounce off of stuff depends you know, on when they do it because they could do it in the middle in of the a middle bit of a bit ruin fucks a bit. It up, right. they could do it I mean I've had guys yell something stupid out with totally the wrong timing and people pile on them and smack them in the head I've seen violence break right. out because of hecklers people got tired of someone who keeps yelling shit out I mean people throwing drinks at each other throwing I've seen people throw chairs at each other because of hecklers for the most part hecklers are cunts they're just annoying shitheads that need attention and don't deserve it. I liked, I, what was I think, I don't know if we played it uh, the first time I was here, the Bill Hicks uh, response to the hecklers. That oh, was the woman was in the eyes. Oh, my oh. God. I've got carte blanche because I'm a cunt. Uh, he goes, I got he goes, cut, so I got carte <laughs> blanche. He goes, I, can, I don't have a cock. I can yell at performers. Again, <laughs> dude, I run into people like that. God bless their hearts. 99% of the people at the shows that I do are total soldier supporters and then there's like the one percent that they're just there to just fuck around and play these stupid little games and it's like they'll put i'm like yo please no flash and they're like well why not and i'm just like listen you take one flash photo a, a day that doesn't bother you but if i get uh, 800 of these fucking things every day i'm gonna go blind tomorrow and they're like well, can you just take mine then instead? I was like, no, you're not understanding me. You're going to turn the flash off or you're going to leave. 
oh, well, 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 I'm like, okay, you're drunk. It's the countdown to when my first name becomes fuck you. Get this fucker out of here. Leave. And, and the security's not here to protect me. They're here to protect you from me because when I flip out, I'm going to snap your neck like a breadstick for fucking getting next This to is me. all violent talk, and I'm not really comfortable with it, especially uh, in the confines of recounting drunk, a story so. that poor drunk fan you know, <laughs> no, uh, jo- trying to have jo- a good time. Joe, you never beat up a fan Try- no, that got I've too crazy. You never beat up a fan that got too crazy? No. I've You're fucking lying, dude. I've never beat up a fan. What about another comedian? No, i never beat up a comedian. Never. <laughs> it doesn't have to go to that. That's silly. Oh, okay. That's bullshit. He's fucking <laughs> lying. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. I've never <laughs> beat up a comedian. I've never beat up a fan. And I wouldn't do it. This is stupid. I mean, if I'm fighting someone, to defend myself. No, yeah, but the, the point I'm trying to make is 99% of the people that come to the shows total down are totally cool. Damn, if it's that little, God, there'd God be blessing. more. That would be like if you had a 300 person show, there'd be three assholes. Every 300 person show, there'd be three people screaming shit out. It's more than 99. But you, you got to understand, it, usually those people get kicked out in the middle of it. Because mm-hmm. uh, honestly, hip hop shows, they have a lot of ejections. Mm-hmm. You know, well, a lot of times on my shows, drunk, people get crazy. kicked out before I get on stage. Like yeah. they'll heckle, they'll be heckling the guys on before me, and the 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 security at the venue will usually get rid of them before I get up there. Do you bring your own openers to this stuff? Yeah, always, always. Okay. If you don't, you get stuck with shitty comedians, man. You get stuck right. with dudes who will step on your material too. That's another thing that like bad comics will do. Even if they're not stealing, like say if you got a bit about Mike Tyson, they'll come up with a new bit about Mike Tyson and just do it right before you, so that the the subject is already stale. Right. By the time you get, it's called stepping on your material. We and call it we call it set tripping. Oh, uh, okay. Like you trip on someone's set. Like you yeah. take a piece of what they what they did on their set. Like mm-hmm. maybe it won't be exactly the same thing, but you'll do the same call and response to the audience again and again. Or you'll have a verse or a song about the same kind of thing. Or you'll give an introduction or a speech about a song that has the same kind of connotation that somebody else will. And then that person, then the headliner gets on and the. We're almost like, oh, well, we heard this already with yeah. the openers. That was, uh, that was one of Mencia's tricks. Mencia used to do that right before. He would bring guys up. He would do their best bits. Like he did this, this dude, Johnny Sanchez, man. He was a funny dude. He had this great bit about um, uh, Iranians uh, and uh, being mad at him for parking in their parking spot and yelling at him in broken English. He had this funny bit. And Mencia, they were taping a TV show. Mencia was hosting it. And he just jacked his bit and did it right before him. So there's this big closing bit, and the dude's doing it right before he goes up there. And he's just like, wow. he's got no weapons. He's going up there unarmed. He's been, not only that, he's going up there with the, with the emotional burden that this shithead just stole a bit right before he goes on stage. And it was, uh, that was what he would do. Like, you would see him at the comedy store. He would do one of Paul Mooney's bits. And then Mooney would go on later on in the night and do the same bit. Instead of, you know, Mexicans, he'd be talking about black people. But it would be the same bit. Right. And he, like we already heard this Star Trek. He would Trek take the, the the top and take it out mm-hmm. and then put the other thing in there. Yeah, yeah. There, those that's uh, that's a, a very extreme form of uh, stepping on your material. But it happens all the time when guys. I talk to guys to this day that are on the road and they'll be the headliner. And the middle act always wants to be the headliner. They want to one day be the headliner. They want to blow the headliner off the stage. They love telling people love saying, "Oh, this guy couldn't follow me." 
Yeah, I middled for him in West Virginia, and he couldn't follow me. Mm, people love that. So they'll, they'll fuck with you. Like, you have to bring your own guys. You want to bring, you don't want that sort of competitive sense, that, that backstabby bullshit. That's no fun. So, it's, so then you, what you're really arranging is a package deal for you and the other people. That I'm also with. arranging that the people who go on before me are really funny. No, no, like no, no, I, that, that goes without saying. That's the I, most important part to me, because the worst thing you want to do is go on after someone eats it. When you go on after someone bombing on stage, it sucks, man. The crowd is in a tell, bad mood. Tell me about it, dude. Tell me about it. They don't want to fucking. They don't want to believe that they paid money to see this asshole talk. And you got to. You, you're not coming in. And with also, a that person's associated with you. Yes. Like, as if, oh yep. man, you brought this person. You Joe, don't what even the know. Fuck? Suck. Yeah, you don't even know. Yeah, they think you suck. They think. And a lot of comics do that, though, man. They stack the deck. They'll bring really shitty opening acts to make them look like a hero. They come in and rescue it. A lot of dudes do that. They bring terrible, terrible opening acts. It's really, on really on purpose. Or yeah. people, how about people who pay to open up? Well, I know, Is that big no, too? I've never heard of that, but I know t- Tony Hinchcliffe. No, it's got to be. Opening up for a dude, and, and then the dude stopped using him and started using a guy who was way worse than him. And the only thing that made any sense was that he just thought Tony was too strong. There's, there's guys that do that, man. There's a, there's a few guys that do that kind of shit. They want to they make sure they're the star and that the guy before them doesn't make it hard for them. Right. The audience thing I was thinking of, by the way, was uh, I think uh, Andy Kaufman used to do that. Oh, did he? Yeah. And that makes sense. Andy Kaufman was more of a performance showman. artist. He was a showman. Yeah. I never thought he was a, a funny stand-up. Because he really wasn't. He was a really funny guy. He was a great actor. He was a fascinating character study. You know, he did a lot of weird shit. Like, he would, he would work at Jerry's Deli when he was on Taxi. He was on Taxi. He was on a hit sitcom. And he would work as a real busboy at Jerry's Deli. So he would go to Jerry's Deli and, like, wait tables and, like, clean that's tables. Probably, that's up. probably where he got a lot of material. Maybe. Listening to fucking people that are rambling at some deli table in some shitbox place where he's working. I think it was more of a performance art piece. You like think? he wanted people to freak out the fact that this guy who's on the biggest hit television show on in America, Taxi, sitting there working. Right. He was working. That's crazy. That washing crazy. tables. I mean, it was it was a, a he was like he would read books on stage. Like he would go on stage and play uh, Mighty Mouse, Here I Come to Save the Day, over and over and over again. And just stand there and go, here I come to save the day. And he would do it for like a half hour. Like he was, right. he, it was like performance art more even than it was <laughs> That does up. sound like some avant-garde bullshit. I swear <laughs> if I saw that, if I paid fucking $25. Oh, was it Shrooms? With my, he might have been on shrooms. shrooms. God knows what the fuck he was on. Yeah, uh, he, was a, he did a lot of transcendental meditation. I know that. He was a big TM guy. He might, I think he might have actually been clean and sober and just in, into really like heavy meditation. But he did a lot of crazy shit. Like the thing he did where he was wrestling women. That was he so would, Jerry yeah. Lawler, right? Yeah. Well, so he would Ill. he would do pro wrestling and get really slapped down by these guys and get beat up by these guys. He would challenge them and then he would wrestle women. He would like like say that he was the intergender uh, champion Exclu- wrestler exclusively. I'll fight any woman in here. And they would all go crazy thinking he was serious. It was all performance art. Right. But it was you know in that context, it's undeniably genius. I mean, what he did was incredible stuff because yeah, he was just, he, he always lost, by the way, and he just made everybody angry. I mean, it was a performance. Look, Shit if he wanted to, out. he's scrawny as fuck and all that good, but if he really wanted to, he'd kick that chick's ass. Let's, come on. <coughs> She's a small woman. He's letting her beat him. And that's Bob Zamuda, who's his friend, who's a referee. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joke. It in my concerts, I've learned a lot about it by just doing it. But 
I wanted to recapture the old days of the carnivals, where in the, before television, in the main room? wrestlers used to go from town to town in carnivals and offer $500 to any man that could last in the ring with them for three minutes. So I figured if I could offer a prize and make it like a contest, it could oh, get He gets very, to like grab women and like... Yeah, he's trying to pin her. Now he's actually pinning her for real. Concert. But I couldn't very well challenge men in the audience because I'd get beaten right away. Bigger than me and stronger than me. So I figured if I challenge women, there are enough women who are almost as big or as big as me who they would have a good chance to beat me. <laughs> I, lo I, lo I love that he said that with a straight face. I jo love Joe. That. Joe, what was his alter ego's name? Remember he oh, had Tony. Uh, was it Clapton? Clap. Uh, Tony Clifton. 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 Tony Clifton, yeah. Which was actually... Never mind. Yeah, that was his... Uh, well, Bob Zamuda still does Tony Clifton, right? Still puts on like an outfit and pretends he's Tony Clifton and says Tony Clifton's still alive. Yeah, there's like a whole cult cult of people that believe that he's still alive, right? Yeah, people believe Kaufman's still... Well, they believe everybody's alive. Tupac's still alive. Kennedy's still alive. I've heard Elvis is still alive. I mean, nobody Bruce ever Lee. Wants to Bruce believe. Lee. Oh, yeah, I've never Lee. heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee Didn't you get in an argument with Tupac when he was alive back in the Dizay? Well, we were teenagers. I wouldn't necessarily call it an argument argument, you know. And so that's a no, Brian. Luckily. <laughs> and uh, you know, luckily we talked about it before he passed, so everything is all good. That's that's good. nice. Yeah, that's that must be an interesting thing though, to know a dude like that, man, you know? Right. For sure. That's an interesting thing, right? Think about it. You know that dude, and then he vanished. One of the greatest rappers ever, right? And then gone. And then still, no one knows who killed him. That's what's really crazy about it. One of the most crazy things ever. Yeah, the, the whole thing, the whole thing, the biggie thing. Like, it's like, yeah, how could it not be solved? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. How could it not be solved? Right. How could it not be solved? How is it possible? How's it humanly possible that in 2014 that hasn't been resolved? And then what? You ever read that Rolling Stone piece on the whole thing? Right. You find out the Rampart. Yeah, the Ramp yeah, Rampart yeah, yeah. guys were all corrupt. Oh, it's fucking crazy, man. It's it's interesting too that that era of of rap, like those were the two prominent personalities, and both of them died in shootouts. You know, what a fucked up situation. Yeah. Like, Does he know about Joe? Yeah, we we're just talking oh, about that. Yeah, about that. Yeah. No, that's crazy, man. To think that, you know, in the middle of the strip mm -hmm. in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, especially in Vegas. Yeah. With, 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 all, with all the surveillance cameras, surveillance, with everything. With all the lights. It's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane to think that no one caught anybody. No one caught anybody. There's... I had heard, read something about the guy. Uh, I can't recall the guy's name. The guy who last year uh, was involved with the whole... He ended up being found in Air Mountain, and he burned him out. The former police officer. Chris Dorman. Oh, Chris Dorman. some Dorman. kind of way, there was intermingling with Rampart and that and that whole situation. Well, he's a, he that's much that more recent. He was in a, a police officer after that. But there's, without a doubt, if there was the, the kind of level of corruption that Rampart had, there has to be something left over. I mean, the, the idea that they cleaned it off spick and span, nice and pretty clean, and polished it up, and I mean, no, no whatsoever. No. They're having problems now with the sheriff department. Are they what? In what way? With, uh, Lee Baca, same thing. That they have like a inner culture within the sheriff, and they favored certain police officers and certain people, especially with the whole since the sheriff controls the jail systems oh. in California. So a lot of them are getting you know with corruption and bribery and. 
It happens, man. Ultimate power corrupts. Just nothing. There's no way around it. Just the and people... basically, Sheriff Lee Baca knew about it and just turned turned cheek on it. You know what I mean? He basically. did a Joe Paterno. Basically, I mean, you know. And the, the thing is, is they they caught like a, a core of them, and they have like, what happened is, uh, Internal Affairs hired an inmate, and he's an informant. So uh... the inmate was getting cell phones, drugs. Oh Jesus! Whoa! So. They actually got an inmate to be, yeah, and wow. he's the one that basically gave up the sheriff. <sighs> and they kept finding out, so they built a whole case, at, you know, a few years about it. And what they did is the sheriff moved the inmate, and they couldn't locate him. His attorney or his handler couldn't locate him inside the jail system. Uh... So they, you know, they, it finally the pressure came to Sheriff Lebaca, and he just basically turned the cheek. And it took him for a while, like they started harassing him. Like it got really, really serious because his his handler couldn't find him. Like, what do you mean you can't find him inside the jail system? Wow, that's interesting, man. Yeah, I think that's going to be real hard to do. Their their whole culture, the culture of law enforcement, is having to adapt. Yeah, it's a whole different... They especially. have to adapt because people find out about shit way quicker today. It's so easy to spread the news. Social media, the having a camera. People, like, I, I can't imagine all the abuses motherfuckers got away with before this camera came well, well, oh, yeah. well, the funny thing about it is the actual phone that they snuck in and gave to him, and he was selling to inmates was where a lot of that evidence was coming from because the phone, he's taking pictures of everything. Why it's, wow. So it's already inside. He's inside, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be harder and harder for those motherfuckers to do shit like that, but if there's anywhere they're going to be able to pull it off, it is in prison where they can control people so so. But everything's closely. for sale in there. You know, it was, when, when, when Joe was locked, um, they, he was telling me crazy story that at that federal prison where he was at, they said that there was a scandal where like the the guards had the female COs have been selling pussy to yeah. the inmates. That's so common. It was nice. like for five. Victor Conte like, said thousand, the same thing. A thousand a pound. When we had Victor Conte, he was the guy who got busted in the Balco scandal. Yeah. Remember that with Barry Bonds yeah. and they were selling oh, those yeah. guys steroids. He was in prison and they were they were all banging this, the the female guards. The female guards returning tricks. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's crazy. I love it. That's American you're in, ingenuity. You're in the middle of nowhere. You know, look what do those guys need? Pussy. What does she have to sell? Pussy. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Her husband is somewhere like you were. What? Yeah, her husband. He probably fucking selling ass. Both of them together. They work in the same institution. <laughs> hey, easy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is that bad? Am I lying? <laughs> There's no gay people that would in jail that want a good blowjob from a nice security guard. Oh god. I'm gonna have to frisk you. They probably had like a little game that they would play. Keeping it real goes. What are you gonna frisk my dick? Keeping it real goes way oh. wrong. Don't make me suck it. I'm a I'm a officer of the law. You suck it. Oh you know, god. Give the guy a fat envelope that he had been hiding up his ass. Is that a oh, female security? Guard. It's a female security guard that you have to fuck. But you know what? You would take it, man. If you were locked up for a long time, that that's better than nothing. That's so sure. Yeah. So girls who would never be able to sell pussy on the outside, on the inside, that's a valuable commodity. They're Miss American. He's checked out. Too many images in his head for this one podcast. You can tell. Everything in there. Flabbergasted, shocked. (laughs) No, no, no. It's just funny because every time I turn around, you got to get Brian to stop putting shit up there. You're like, Brian, stop. That's part of the fucking show. Part of the show. It's the inner conflict. Don't you understand? (laughs) Society craves conflict. You can't just have a smooth running show. You have to have something. Interior drama. You come and do the openers for Joe sometimes? Uh, used to a lot. Now I have it. Don't once in a while. All right. So he does bring, comedy on his own. So a you lot bring of so now. you bring your own openers. Your little homies too. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you do you set them up like any hecklers and shit like that? No. no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Never. That shit would be so yeah. obvious, man. I'm no, you. it wouldn't do. Oh, you, it, listen, listen, it wouldn't be a, a smart thing to do first of all because it would be fake, and then the the fake vibe would get out there somehow or another. It would sneak through the fucking. But how? If it's part of showmanship, it's, it's not. If you're not doing well, it, it, depends to be a on dick. what you're doing. Right. It depends on what you're doing. I mean, you, you can set up something in the audience where you have like a fake fight with somebody, and the whole thing's like a As grand a joke, show. Right. Yeah, you could do it, but the way I feel about stand-up, when I, if I went to see Joey Diaz, okay, he's my favorite comedian, and, and if Joey Diaz had someone go on in the audience and fake heckle him, and he had all these canned lines that he threw at that, and I thought it was brilliant, but then I found out that it was fake, I would, be, I would feel sick. I'd feel grossed out. If I ever did that, I would feel sick. If I ever like tricked a bunch of people to think that I came up with a smooth line, when when someone heckles me and I come up with something on the fly and it nails them and then they look really stupid, that's like an art. There's an art to finding the right thing to say at the right time. We were in Ohio. We had this fucking dude took his shirt off and he was standing in the crowd with his shirt off. I mean, it was you couldn't you you couldn't plant a better guy. I think I saw that. There's a video. The dude was yeah, crazy. Yeah, and Brian yeah. and I saw him hours later, like after the show. I mean, I hugged the guy and everything. I mean, he wasn't a violent guy. But someone decided to like take advantage of the fact that he was this loud guy and they beat the shit out of him. We found him when we were getting to our car at like 2 o'clock in the morning. We were leaving uh, Steak and Shake, right? We, we had ate. Yeah. And we, we got to our car and this dude was fucked up, man. His eyes bloody, blood coming all over his fucking, sh- all over his clothes. He was, somebody just beat the shit out of him, man. For and what? For heckling? Yeah, well, That's probably crazy. this is the guy. Look, yeah, the guy's yeah, got yeah. no shirt on that. in the I audience. I've <laughs> seen that. He was doing voodoo with his finger. That is that guy personified. <laughs> yeah. He's got no shirt on. Fucking dude's. I wish we got the video of him fucked up later in the Afterwards, night. Yeah. We should goddamn to like a no. bloody pulp because it would have been so perfect, the perfect way to end that video. Somebody just tuned him up. It was a free shot because he was so drunk. They could take advantage of it. You guys got to leave. We got to wrap this thing up anyway. Yeah, We're like running ten, out of time. Like five, ten minutes. I wanted to ask you one thing uh, before we go. We only have five minutes left, but um, you 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 specialized like in ancient history, and you you you're really a big fan of like uh, ancient cultures. Have you paid attention to any of this Gobekli Tepe shit that they're finding in Turkey? What the the ark? No, 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 no. Gobekli Tepe is a new structure that they found. There was like a cattle herder or something like that found this stone and uncovered it with like kicked some dirt around on mm-hmm. it and then started digging around it and realized it's massive. Called in mm-hmm. some people. They found out that the whole area had been filled with dirt on purpose at the very earliest 12,000 years ago. Right. So it's at least 12,000 years old and that's when it was F- covered. That's when it was filled yeah. in, and it's this huge, gigantic structure, like a ziggurat. All these look. Look, there, there's some images of right. what they've discovered so far. Why are fucking images loading so slow? <laughs> no. What is it? 1990? <laughs> is this a fucking GeoCities website? There's um gigantic 19 foot wow. tall stone columns. All they have these reliefs, 3D reliefs of these animals that are drawn on it. But this whole thing throws the origins or the the, the dates of civilization into uh, a, a kind of a chaotic situation Absolutely. because it's so old. 
it's at a time where they thought people were just basically hunter and gatherers. Right. And these hunter and gatherers created these enormous stone structures, this really complex thing, like all those carvings on it. Right. And these are 3D reliefs, meaning that they took the stone away. They cut it away to make this image. They didn't carve it into the stone, which would be the easy way to do it. They carved right. the stone out and left the three-dimensional image of these you know, animals. And they've only uncovered 5% of it so far. And it's fucking enormous. Right. Enormous stone structure that was covered up. So they know for a fact that... And this is in central Turkey. It's, in, uh, it's an area called Gobekli. Gobekli Tepe. I don't know. Um, I don't. I, I know that the the what part of Turkey there was there was a civilization called the Hittites that lived in central Turkey, and they had this site Hattusha. And what I think is interesting about that is that it was totally in it, miles and miles away from water. In other words, most of these civilizations take place near some sort of river, near some sort of stream. But mm -hmm. the ironic thing about this civilization is it existed for thousands of years in Turkey, and yet there was no water that was physically near it. It was like 50 miles away. So you're going to tell me every single day someone rode 50 miles to get water? And they were saying what was going on was probably that there was an internal spring that allowed for there to be water inside a city for it to flourish to the level it did. Could be they also had irrigation back then, too. Well, that is one, one suggestion, but they didn't have an aqueduct similar to the way people look at them in, in Roman times. I, mean, mm -hmm. I guess they may have diverted water through a stream or, or by damming a river. But whatever the case may be is, I think people are going to start finding more and more of these things as time mm -hmm. progresses. And yeah. I think what we're talking about also is that uh, 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 not just on land, but also on sea. You know what I mean? In in the sea. When, oh yeah. When, when you go underwater, people found recently that there were uh, ancient Egyptian civilizations mm -hmm. or people in the Mediter Mediterranean yeah. that had existed for like three, four thousand years that had been buried. Because in reality, there were probably plenty of places that were above sea level. You know, ten thousand years ago. I mean, oh, no it, question about it. The the the, the tide. Or rather, the ocean's levels have risen and fallen. For, for, no doubt, no doubt, no question. You know, but besides rap, I started writing a book recently, and one of them, it, I'm specifically going to be able to deal with this specific fact and, and the the history of humankind that is severely underwritten. I mean, this so is you're, the, you're writing a history book. That wouldn't. See, it's not a history book. It's more like a book of philo It's more like a book of philosophies. You know what I mean? And uh -huh. it, it, it's a little humorous. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I want to show people the sort of perpetual hypocrisy that we're willing to live in. That people have always lived in? Is always. I mean, that right. we're, but not only that we live in, but that we're willing to live in. You know, it's, it reminds me of a quote from Mark Twain where he's like, you know, the difference between writing fiction and writing reality is that you have to make reality seem believable. You know, because it's so preposterous mm -hmm. that you have to include some sort of element that brings it home. Similar to the way that a comedian will criticize society and then talk about how fucked up it is. And at the end of it say, hey, well, guess what? I'm just as fucked. You know how I know it's this fucking bad? Because I'm part of this fucked up society. Mm -hmm. And that's the ironic part of the joke. That, you know what I mean? Oh, no, 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 coke is so bad and uh I'm going to go get a Coke now. So fuck all the rest of you. Because that's just how it is. I, I think that when you look at at civilizations and human development, you find just a series of, of, of pure savagery and then you find ennoblement in strange and, and almost irreconcilable places within that society. So when I, I look at them over the course of, of human evolution, I really wanted to address that and the fact that, you know, 
Yes, we're a civilization of talking monkeys that have achieved some sort of growth over the years, whether it's through grooming, because we place a, a gigantic... Uh, 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 we place a gigantic amount of value on how we're groomed. We place a gigantic amount of value on our superstitions. In other words, if I believe something and you don't believe the same thing, I'm threatened by your belief system. Not you or me specifically, but in terms of how we communicate and how we've communicated over the years. Now, has that always been a positive thing or has it always been a negative thing? Well, when we were dividing ourselves among different actual races like Homo erectus or Homo habilis, then maybe it was a positive thing to not include these people in our society because, or these animals or hominids in our society because it would have created a much different strand of humanity. Dude, you need a podcast to your own. Shit's ridiculous. <laughs> Run out of time, man. The Immortal Technique podcast launching next month. Holy shit, Just yo. start with an iPhone, start talking into it when you're at the airport. <laughs> oh, Record the, that shit, I, I put it online. I got the book coming out, The Middle Passage, shout to the whole Rebel Arms. Yeah, you follow him, mean? Immortal Tech, on Twitter. And guys, what are your Twitter Twitter handles? Uh, Bobby Bowdy at Twitter. At spell that, hold on, spell that. What is Bobby Bowdy? Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y, Bowdy, B-O-U-T-I-T. Boom. At Twitter.com. Boom. Uh, at ChinoXL at Twitter and at ChinoXL at Instagram. Thank you very much. Also, uh, LiftTheStateApparel.com. <laughs> Thanks to LegalZoom.com. Use the code word ROGAN at checkout. Save yourself some cash. Thanks also to 1-800-FLOWERS. That's 1-800-FLOWERS. Uh, thank you to uh, on it. Use the code word Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. All right. We will see you tomorrow with uh, artist Molly Crabapple. And then we have on Wednesday, War Machine. And yeah. on Thursday, Joey Coco Diaz. Right, let's go. Much love. See you fucker soon. Let's do it. Peace. Throw a heckler in the crowd.